Hey, Chris here from Streaming Things. Uh, this is a really long episode, and I hope that you enjoy every last salacious minute of it. But you might not. You might be busy, and we understand that too. So if you just want to hear us talk about The Falcon and the Winter Soldier or Zack Snyder's Justice League, we have timestamps available so you can skip right ahead to the juicy stuff. Enjoy. Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. This is Streaming Things. For those of you that accidentally clicked on it, that's what you're doing now. Welcome. You're streaming this thing for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what we do on this show is uh, pretty obvious, actually. But just in case it isn't, we talk about things that are streaming out in the world. Movies, TV specifically. Try to break them down, make you laugh in the process if we can do that. And if nothing else, our... uh, extreme lack of any qualification to do so is at least funny. So in a meta way, we've got you no matter what. We're really funny people. (laughs) (laughs) Our dreams are funny. (laughs) It's sad. Thank you. to Pregnant uh, pause. (laughs) (laughs) I try to leave that in there for a fact. Uh, I'm very excited for today's episode. Extremely excited. Not that I'm not excited normally, but I would say there's an above average amount of excitement for this one. So this episode, you look excited. We're going to be talking about lots of stuff, but mainly Zack Snyder's Justice League, aka the infamous Snyder Cut. Oh yeah, long awaited. This is a historic, much day. dreaded. This is a historic episode. It really is. I, I I think I texted you guys this last night, but listeners, you may not know this. The very first thing that streaming things as a podcast did when we ventured out of the Stranger Things world, mm-hmm. where we got our start. The first property that we reviewed was the 2017 Joss Whedon Zacks or 2017 Joss Whedon Justice League movie. And now we're here almost four years later talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. I cannot, that means we've been doing this show for like over five years. I didn't know that Justice League came out four years ago. That's crazy. 2017, my man. Insanity. Time doth fly. I mean, time doth fly when you take like, what, a year and a half, probably a two-year accumulated break. (laughs) That is true. We've been pretty sporadic throughout. It's not our fault. If they made Stranger Things seasons end to end consecutively all the time, we would have never stopped. There's only three seasons of that show. Mm -hmm. True dad. Yeah. So that's what we're doing this week, and I'm super excited. I'm glad you're here. I hope you're just as excited. A um, little business before we get carried away, because I know in advance I'm going to get carried away. I had a lot of cold brew coffee. That's what that is. Uh-oh. Andy's drinking a cold brew. So is Steve, but I had cold mm-hmm. brew coffee. <laughs> Cider Boys. Um, we, this, this podcast brought to you by Cider Boys, mm-hmm. Grand Mimosa. Which isn't true. They haven't paid us a red cent. We cream in it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't uh, have fireball cinnamon whiskey. That's that's the only damn. alcohol for I love that you it. call it fireball cinnamon whiskey. You don't just say fireball. No, it's fireball cinnamon whiskey. I got some in the freezer. <laughs> Clearly says that. that on the bottle, Andrew. I don't know how your reading skills go. Yeah. What else would I call it? <laughs> I'm a big fan of Jack Daniels old number seven. Personally. <laughs> what, do you call Coca Cola Coke? I think not. I got a friend that always says at a wherever at a restaurant he orders a Coca Cola classic every single time. Awesome. Uh, just to be so no one's unclear and they don't give him a, some kind of new version, right? So does There he was lose, new Coke. Remember did, that was in Stranger Things Season 3? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Would he lose his shit if someone actually get, like gives him a Diet Coke? And oh, oh he would flip the table. For sure. He's a <laughs> terrible Diet person. I was very specific. He's a terrible person. I uh, would definitely verbally assault uh, the waitstaff over something like that. And some would think it's warranted. 
Mm. Um, so anyway, we do have any hoozle, as I used to say, we do have something coming up down the pipeline. We've got a, a mailbag episode. So we need you or otherwise it'll be a very like those pregnant pauses that I sometimes do that are extremely awkward, sometimes by design, sometimes because I can't think of anything to say. Those pauses, <laughs> those will happen a lot if you don't write in. So you got to write into streamingthingspod at gmail.com. Ask us some questions. Yeah, anything. Could be personal, could be about TV, could be about film, could be about theater. Uh, it could be about specifically presidential films, which we're not going to know very much, Andy and I, of course. <laughs> but you could ask those questions. There's no rule against it. Yeah, hop on in. A lot of people have already sent us questions. David, mm-hmm. we see you. We see and you. we appreciate you. Ooh, Avatar quote? Was that an avatar? Uh, kind of, you can make it that way. Oh, I see you. Yeah. I, I see you, David. <laughs> <laughs> the classic avatar line. <laughs> we all know this. It's a cultural touchstone. Yeah, cultural touchstone. <laughs> Highest grossing film of all time. How can we not know it? Yeah, the blue people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, email us your questions. We, we've always, had, as Steve said, we've, we've got quite a few. We're going to pick and choose some that we think could be good discussions. Uh, but we, we don't know exactly which date this is going to be on, by the way. So, which yeah. brings me to next week. I think we're going to be discussing uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which is supposed to debut on HBO Max on March the 25th. So that Friday, we'll record the episode to debut the following Monday, and we'll be discussing Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong. But sometime in the in the week or two after that, we'll be doing the mailbag episode. So go on, get them in. Don't risk it. You don't want to be you don't want to be late on that game. No, definitely don't want to be. That's embarrassing. Nah, fam. Nah. Uh, thank no, you to all of fam. those that have emailed. Also, before I forget, please take a moment. And open that podcast and app wherever you're listening to us right now and give us a rating if you don't mind. Uh, five stars preferably, but, you know, be honest, be yourself. Uh, if you like to stomp on people's streams and stuff, that's fine. You can give us less than five stars. <laughs> uh, we would very much appreciate that. That helps people find us, wade through the algorithmic waters of all the podcasts and then find us here at Streaming yeah. Things. So we would appreciate that. And if you really like us, text us to a friend. Be like, hey, listen to this show. Right now. Check this show or out. Or we're no longer friends. Yeah. <laughs> just make it an ultimatum. You know what I mean? Just yeah. do it. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> do battle. If you want to be my lover, you yes. got to get with my cast. Mm-hmm. Classic song. <laughs> I'll tell you what also I'm from right. Avatar. Weirdly enough. Avatar Cultural soundtrack. Stone Avatar. <laughs> so let's start us off with our crossing stream segment, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's where we talk about things we've recently been streaming, at least since the last time we recorded. Andy, what do you got for us today? What you been doing? What you been up to? So I've streamed a couple of Answer cool the things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Permission to treat the witness as hostile. <laughs> um, so uh, last this week, uh, I guess last week, by the time you're listening to this, uh, St. Patrick's Day just happened. And so I did a cool thing for St. Patrick's Day. I had a couple people over, a little safe COVID, safe affair. Most of us have been vaccinated, people that were in the crew. Um, we streamed a live stream concert from Ireland uh, that was Flogging Molly. And that was a uh. really cool experience. Like, um, apparently it's the first time they've ever played live in Ireland uh, really? on, on St. Patrick's Day, oh, which, is, Patrick's Day. which is bizarre uh, because they're like the biggest Irish, other than like Sinead O'Connor. It's like the biggest, they're like the biggest musical thing to come out of Ireland, you know? Uh, um, it was really cool. Uh, it was, uh, it started out in like this little like pub, at, uh, like, and at first I was kind of disappointed cause it was like what you expect when you go into like a, 
a dive bar and see live music. It's just a couple of people in cramped corner next to the window, some creepy dudes standing outside, kind of peeking in, being like, "Hey, what's going on, guys?" And then just meandering away. Well, they play a lot of music in there. It's like, damn, this is fucking Floggy Molly, like drunken lullabies and shit. And it's just they 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 got like random guy meandering in the background. Uh, but eventually, then it like they transitioned over to like a full full on stage, and uh, it, there was great production value, tons of like cameras switching angles and stuff, and. You know, it's Flogging Molly. They rule. Fun fact, I actually took a leak next to the lead singer of Flogging Molly one time. I Did saw you cross streams? We almost crossed streams, oh, bro, right? man. Uh, Missed opportunity. I didn't. I, it was the first time I'd ever seen them live, and I didn't know what the band looked like. And so I I was at Bogart's. The opening act was done. I went down and took a piss, and I walked out of the bathroom. My buddy was like, eyes agape, staring at me as I walked out. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, <laughs> you just walked out with the fucking singer. Did you see the dick on Logan? that guy? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't know, just a little anecdote. Uh, so it was a, a neat way to uh, try to have kind of a cool, semi-normal uh, St. Patrick's Day experience without, you know, risking going to bars and stuff. Uh, which, you know, those types of things like Patrick's Day and New Year's, a bunch of amateurs hour, hour, amateur hour out there. You don't really want to go out for mm-hmm. those types of events. But Dude, that, that, um, the I live by a street that has a lot of bars on it. And mm-hmm. dude, it was like all day, like by 11 a.m. People were like in their little St. Patty's Day outfits and mm-hmm. they had their cups because you can it's an open carry street. So, oh, OK, cool. Uh, open carry alcohol street. Not yeah. like no one's been like packing heat. Like <laughs> We're here for St. Patty's Day. <laughs> um, Give us your money. Yeah, <laughs> it was nuts. Like just living in the area. Like I, was like I didn't know St. Patty's Day was that big of a deal, but it could just because it was like you know, COVID slight kind of slowing down in the area. Yeah, dude. And people, people got are, some pent up energy. People for are sure. definitely like throwing caution to the wind at the, at, at this point. It's always regard. been a big deal though. Uh, Cause I ran that, I ran a bar for about five years mm-hmm. and we had to, op- we usually open the restaurant and bar at about 11 AM. Um, and on St. Patty's day, we always opened two hours early just because, and everybody people usually, are drunk, wanting pizza. usually they were like fall down wasted uh, when we opened at around 10 AM to get the pizza and stuff. It's crazy. Do people do like kegs and eggs at like 5 AM, 5 AM and shit. It's fucking crazy. We had to, we had to film something in a bar that week and we specifically were like, let's schedule it for Thursday. Cause everyone's going to be hung over <laughs> and no one will be there. Oh, it's actually pretty clever. No one was like, it was an empty, we were there for like two and a half hours and no customer came in at all. Yeah, that's clever. Mm, not, bad, not bad. Plan around their alcoholism. Yep. I see you. So other things I've been streaming, uh, at Chris's recommendation, which it's a re- recommendation he's been giving me for years, and I've always just kind of blown off until he mentioned on the last episode of the podcast, I finally uh, started watching The Magicians, sci-fi original show. It's currently on Netflix. It's really good. It is very much like uh, an adultish Harry Potter, and it even has like the, it, it, essentially it's like, um, Hogwarts as college. So it's like almost like a grad school kind of thing. This guy's uh, applying to uh, some uh, graduate program at Yale and uh, somehow gets roped into like an admissions test for this university called Break Bills. And like he and his friend uh, get brought in. It's kind of like receiving your owl. You just you're walking and then suddenly they the magicians make something happen to where you appear at the university and you take your admissions test and you either pass or fail. He gets in, his friend doesn't. I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything because this is within the first five minutes of the first episode. Um, and so there's kind of like this uh, drama that happens between the two characters and like these, this sort of like side school of wizards that are uh, kind of the break bills rejects. And uh, uh, it's so far it's a little kind of hokey, but 
in a pretty cool way. It's really graphic, like dudes getting eyeballs ripped out and shit, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. real early on and stuff. Oh, that's and, like college. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> college stuff, hazing, as, yeah. as it were. So the there's Delta like Fives always doing that eyeball shit. God dang you know it. them. Classic. So kind of like you know your everyman guy who's not particularly good at anything, and yet he's kind of a chosen one. He's very much a Harry Potter stand-in. Um, and even has like sort of the Hermione stand in like the, the do gooder that's exceptionally good at everything, but has like, you know, her own ulterior motives and yada, yada. Uh, but so far, I've been enjoying it a lot. Uh, there's one other show that I uh, binge watched and I, I'm only going to talk about it briefly because I started it with Steve. Last week when we recorded, we uh, sat down, we were like, we should watch something. And we turned on uh, Barry season two, episode one, and we watched maybe like 10 or 15 minutes of it. And eventually we kind of looked at each other like, do you remember what happened in season one? Because he hasn't seen Barry season two yet, Mm. which is the best season. Um, But eventually we were like. a wonderful show. Like I love season one, but it had been three years since I had seen it. So I was I was kind of hazy where I was like, "Okay, I feel like I need to play catch up mm-hmm. so i can fully appreciate it so that's why we stopped watching i mean barry season two so if at that point was like going to be great but i kept looking at andy like i don't remember who that is mm-hmm. i don't remember what this is <laughs> i need a refresher so we decided to stop it and i was like okay well what else can we watch i was like have you ever seen this show called fleabag and he was like no what's that it's like oh my god i'm gonna change your fucking life it's so Let's good go. <laughs> dude it is so good and so i flip over to amazon prime which is where you can watch fleabag and i hit play again and so we start watching the show oh, yeah and we get like 15 20 minutes into this episode and then finally like i just start cracking up laughing and i pause it and he's like what i was like dude i'm really sorry this happened to me last time we're watching episode six right now he's like what i was like this is same fucking thing happened to me the first time i tried to watch fleabag for some reason the first time i watched it when i hit play it did not start me on episode one. It started me on episode six. And so I was watching thinking like, this is genius. Like there are all these dangling threads and I have no idea what they're referencing. And I can't wait to see how they're going to like self-reference back to it. And it's going to pay off. And like, and I, I said, Com- yeah, completely honest. I, if you hadn't told me that that was the sixth episode, I would have thought that was like a really good opener. Like I was like, I'm getting well, I don't really know what's happening, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> let's let's pull the curtain. Luckily, they're all good threads, you know, engaging standalone episodes. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I caught on when there was a certain stolen item that was brought up in the show. I was like, oh, my God, that this is happening again. I fucking knew it. Uh, <laughs> so then we started over and we ended up watching like t- the first two episodes. Yeah. And since then, I binged the entire uh both seasons because that show's amazing and i'm gonna stop here because it was steve's first time watching it and i'm really interested to hear his thoughts because he finished it too yeah and also the flea bag that andy mentioned you can stream on amazon prime first time i've ever watched it it's also the main thing i've streamed this week uh i went and binged the entire series in one week i love this show (laughs) it's so good why Uh, are you being so sexy <laughs> I don't know. That's my favorite line yeah. from Fleabag. <laughs> She's so great, uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge, right? Mm-hmm. She is fantastic. Uh, I know she won a bunch of acting awards, and she deserves everything because you know uh, so much of that character is breaking the fourth wall, where she's looking directly at the camera, she's addressing the audience, um, commenting on things that's happening to her right then and there, and just the way she delivers these moments are so spot on like just the simple little like glance of the camera is hilarious mm-hmm. like i was slapping my knee at a couple points and all she literally did was like look at the camera and go ah 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a master class and how to break the fourth wall and not just have it be a shtick. Like mm-hmm. it, it it adds so much sometimes actual emotional weight to moments where yeah. it, it's just there's so a, fascinating. There's a moment in season two that blew me away in terms of um kind of twisting the the fourth wall breaking um what do you call that genre whatever yeah mm-hmm. um i don't want to spoil what it is but there's something that happens in season two that like i'd never seen that before the way they use it is genius the way thematically what it means to the story is really really awesome and it just really kind of brought me into that character's conflict in that moment so much more and it's really funny and it's heartfelt and it's just really good. And it has Murray fucking Bauman in it from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And uh, we couldn't figure out who so it was, dude. We started watching, you know, the, the two episodes we watched together, and he shows up on screen, and I turn to Andy and I'm like, Who is that man? I know who that is. What is he in? And Andy's like, I can't think of it. And I'm not Chris. It bugged me so goddamn. I can much. imagine. Because I'm sitting there like, who is that? I know who that is. I know who that is. Fast forward to like Five or six days later, I start watching season two. And in season two, the character that he plays, he has the long Murray Bauman hair in season two. He doesn't, it's, he's like more like clean shaven in the first season. So in season two, he has the Murray Bauman hair and finally I'm like, Murray fucking Bauman. And I like <laughs> picked up the phone and I call or I texted Andy. I'm like, it's Murray, like in all caps. <laughs> Murray fucking Bauman. <laughs> <It's awesome. laughs> and, and dude, you know how like, not to get too graphic, but you know how like when you're taking a real big dump no, and all of it just releases out of you and you get that uh, feeling that, oh, oh, I feel so good. That's what it was like to find out, like that put together, that's Murray Bauman. I was like, ah, oh, I can live again. <laughs> so you were like partially constipated for six days. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't move on with your Mentally, life. Mentally, yeah. I, I, was, I was at work like, God damn it, was that man? It was so smooth. He didn't have to wipe. I wish they had a bowl of satin, like (laughs) apps or websites connected to those apps that you could just look up any show or actor and find out everything they've ever been in. No, Chris, (laughs) I I will not play that game. I will do it to quote Zack Snyder's Justice League. We will do it the old ways. All right. (laughs) Just slowly remember. Yeah. And and later liken this experience to taking a shit. (laughs) Fun the fact, old way four stars baby classic misogyny <laughs> i don't think that is fun fact about uh phoebe waller bridge she is a co-writer on the next james bond movie good for her the world is crazy? appreciating her yeah yeah she's, she's she created that show and she wrote it and yeah stuff. the only thing she didn't do was direct every time like the credits popped up and her name was like everywhere i was like she is just the best yeah i love her yep. season one is amazing season two is a masterpiece yeah no, season two, like, I really, really enjoy season one, but you're right, season two was just, like, it's solidified as one of my favorite shows I've seen in a long time. It's one it. of those shows that, that causes actual pain when there is no more of it to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is over. Uh, she has said that she's done with the character. She, it oh, ended really? in a good place. She said maybe someday she'd like to potentially revisit Fleabag, the nameless character, in, like, her 40s or something, but Aww. it's done. I want to see how it went. I know. It's very sad. <laughs> So that's Fleabag, available on Amazon Prime. Um, Steve, you been streaming anything else? Mm-mm. All right. I've been streaming a few things. I know you didn't think I did, but I have been. What? Surprise. You? I know. Chris. Uh, so uh, real quick, it's kind of silly to bring up, but I uh, randomly, I, I rarely do this. Like I'm the kind of person that has uh, like a letterbox account. I have like a 
list of things that I want to watch that I need to get to. And I'm I spend a really unhealthy amount of time on film Twitter. So so I, I want to stay up, you know, with the people that are blessed enough to do this for a living. They watch a lot of stuff. So I, I want to be part of those conversations as much as possible. But I, uh, like a normal person, was just scrolling Netflix a little bored one day, right? Just trying to find something to watch that I had seen before. Like a pleb. Yeah, like one of those guys. And I clicked Training Day, the movie uh, from Antoine Fuqua and David Ayer, right? With Denzel? Denzel and Ethan Hawke. So, um it's a wonderful movie. I had not seen that film in a long time. So I had a really unhealthy childhood, a little quick aside as well. And so I watched things like Training Day. I don't know how when this came out, but I had to be maybe 10 years old or mm. thereabouts. I mean, I definitely had a VHS copy. So whatever that means. Um, so anyway, you're watching it with your son. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was actually by myself. Um, and I, I'm laying in bed watching it. And I had not seen this in over a decade and never as an adult. And so I just wanted to bring it up a, because this movie still fucking rules. Mm-hmm. Um, like Denzel Washington is so good. Um, King Kong ain't got shit on me. He really doesn't have shit on Denzel. No. It's so meta, um, but <laughs> <laughs> I, it's interesting to me as a, as an intellectual exercise, the way that films can change as you gain new life experiences to see them in a different light. Uh, not that I've ever been an undercover narcotics officer since then. And now I see it that way, but I, there's so many things I just really mm, didn't understand. So real. I like, don't know if I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> like how can you watch training day as a 10 year old? And I love it as much as I did probably because a, my older brothers loved it and I just wanted to be cool and right. And there's cool things in it, but, um, I didn't understand anything about the plot. Really? I really didn't. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, ha ha, you made him smoke drugs. <laughs> Why did he do that? And, and so I'm just watching it for the first time with this complete understanding of everything that's going on and realizing that cool. Denzel's <laughs> character has had this plot to get out of owing the Russians this much money. And he's planned this weeks ahead of time and every step is methodical and, I can't explain it without just going into detail how I'm not going to do on the crossing stream segment, but I love it so much more. It mm-hmm. turns out training day, really good movie guys. <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Uh, I'm glad I, but, that movie finally has been justified. But right? <laughs> I guess why I brought it up is I'm excited to revisit films that like, I've always just said, Oh yeah. Amazing movie. But really I haven't seen it since I was like 12 or something. Uh, and now that I know at least a little bit more uh, about filmmaking and about life in general, like some of these films, I'm really excited to revisit uh, with some new experiences. Mm. Um, anyway, I also saw uh, Promising Young Woman, d- written and directed by oh, em- shit. Emerald Fennel. Uh, it's getting a lot of awards and award buzz. It's nominated for five Oscars. Uh, it stars Carrie Mulligan. And so I'm, I was really been meaning to and watch it. Bo but Burnham, right? It does. Yes, yeah. Bo Burnham. Um, super excited to watch it, but just didn't want to spend the 20 bucks. Uh, and then recently I was just like, fuck it. I really got to see this. Um, I'm mixed on it. I definitely, it's required viewing, I think. Um, but it really didn't strike. There's some very interesting choices that I'm not sure about. Um, but the score alone is phenomenal. And this film does some very, like, I never think about how casting can actually be an important part of the, of a film's message. And what I mean by that, obviously like, you know, Carrie Mulligan is important to get the, the great, a good actor for this role or, um, you know, even in justice league, like who's going to be Batman. Obviously that's important, but Emerald Fennel does it in such a way in this film that points to the film's message. Do you know what the film's about at all? 
Um, no, I don't. Kind of. So it's a sort of revenge story about, um, you know, women being sexually assaulted. And so she, Carrie Mulligan's character sort of becomes like a superhero in a way. Uh, she goes out at night and pretends to be too drunk to make decisions. And men do what way too many men on this earth do and try to take advantage of her. And then she'll snap out of it and be super sober and scare the fuck out of them. And you know what I mean? They, they're like tortured by that. What? You know, and they're, I'm a nice guy. And they're just like, yeah, okay. And so, but the casting is all of these legendarily nice guys that are actually uh, pieces of shit. And that says so much about the theme. Do you know what I mean? Wait, they cast pieces of shit. No, they cast people that are well-known, quote unquote, nice guys. Okay, so what you said, so like Russell Crowe, that are, that are yeah, yeah, it's just Mel Kevin Gibson. Spacey, Mel Gibson, Russell like, Crowe. What the fuck? No, no, like McLovin from Superbad is, oh, okay. is like one of these guys, and it's very much on purpose, so as to say, like you never know who it's going to be, or or rather, like it's almost everyone in certain by certain degrees. But like, that's why Bo Burnham's in the movie. Like it's the nicest guy you can think of. Right. Right. He does little songs on YouTube. It's fucking cool guy. You know? So anyway, I I definitely recommend watching this movie, but it does make some interesting choices, but there's hands down without a doubt. Carrie Mulligan's insanely good as always. Right. Mm -hmm. I know Andy, you're a huge fan. I love her Um, so much drive his favorite movie of all time. Almost. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, So anyway, I also watched uh, Batman V Superman, the ultimate edition. Oh, we talked about that last week. And so I'm an idiot. I know we do a lot of little stupid anecdotes on here that probably waste a lot of time. I hope you enjoy it, listeners. But so check this out, right? I got an Apple TV and it's got a little tiny, cute Apple remote. And one of the functions that I love about it is you can just hold in the voice button, kind of like Siri, and just say Batman V Superman or whatever. And since I have like Hulu, HBO Max, every streaming service that I can possibly pay for, It'll just pull up where it's available most of the time, and I can go straight to it. So I don't have to search individually through all these services. I love that feature. Dude. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great feature. So I, it sucks, though. I, I, I'm sitting there. My wife's sitting next to me, and I go, Batman v. Superman Ultimate Edition, right? And it keeps pulling up the regular Batman v. Superman, which I don't want to watch. I want to watch the Ultimate Edition, which was supposedly much better than the movie I hated, theatrical Batman v. Superman. And so I was like, wait, let me check again. And Batman v. Superman ultimate edition and it doesn't come up and so eventually i search it via a different means and find out that i can pay to rent or no pay to buy the ultimate edition as a pack with an extended version of wonder woman and i don't want to do this because it's 15 dollars. i'm pretty sure i still hate this movie a and b i already separately own wonder woman mm. so i'm really torn about whether or not i should spend this 15 bucks mm-hmm. right um so I say, fuck it. And I pay the 15 bucks to <laughs> double own Wonder Woman and also own this movie I hate. <laughs> so I watch. When you put it that way. <laughs> I watch Batman v Superman, which I still hate. Even the I, like ultimate hate it now that I've seen the ultimate edition. <laughs> Your hate is the ultimate edition. <laughs> I went to rate it on Letterboxd. I wanted to give it two stars and I had apparently given it one star in 2016. <laughs> so I was like, well, I got, it got better. <laughs> the money five pound guy. Hey, it is better. <laughs> oh, she turned me into a neat. Right. So I don't have much to say about, uh, I don't want to just, like hate on it. Like if you love it, you love it. But I hate it. Right. Martha. Um, that was a bullseye. So, <laughs> so fast forward to after I watched the Snyder cut and it says, you may also want to watch Batman V Superman ultimate edition for free. 
I'm like, fuck you, Apple TV. <laughs> I tried to find you so many times. Oh, no. Where so, was it free? I, uh, it's on HBO Max. Oh, it is. Oh, man. It's right, oh, it's right there. I don't know why I couldn't see it. Hey, at least now you can watch the extended version of Wonder Woman. I guess. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so as part of my crossing streams, I also wanted to mention that the Oscar nominations <clears throat> came out. Um I don't have too much to say about that other than I'm very excited. So I play this little game with myself every year and I have for decades that I want to see every single movie that is nominated. And obviously that's a monumental task, especially for some of the below the line nominations, like whatever you want to think of. Right. Uh, best short, best, doc. best, best yeah. boy. Uh, <laughs> That's not a, that's not an award. It should be though. It should be. Those guys work hard. They're not called best boys for nothing. That's right. But this year due to COVID and the, the lack of movies that have been produced versus the extra time I had to watch them. I have almost seen every single movie that is nominated Oh wow! and the Oscars are pushed back to like April there. I think they're usually in like February. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, extra time to watch the last few that I haven't seen yet. And I'm so fucking excited. I'm going to be so in the know when I don't watch the Oscars because <laughs> I never watch them anymore because I don't have cable. <laughs> Dude, the, the nominations came out and I just like, I haven't seen any of these. Yeah. <laughs> Some really good ones. Some really good ones. I've heard Mank on is amazing. And I still need to watch that. That's one of the like three movies I haven't seen yet. Oh, okay. And it's because I've never seen Citizen Kane. I'm so <laughs> sorry about that listeners. Like, don't turn it off. I swear I watch movies. Um, the last thing that I watched is called Cherry. And it's uh, Tom Holland, starring right? Tom Holland. And it's the new Russo Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. So this movie, I neglected. To, it's for free on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, I have neglected to watch it because it's been out for over a week. Because it's basically across the board critically panned, as far as I can tell. Um, and I heard some really good criticism about it. The, the one that stuck out to me, I forget who said it. I'm sorry, I can't like uh, quote them or source them. But... Essentially, it was someone saying that the Russo brothers basically seem like kids just at a film school and they've used every single film technique they can possibly think of in one movie. So there's like, you know, really artistic color grading and slow motion for no reason and uh, 360 cams and, you know, drone shots and pans. And it's just like a certain uh, POV shot. Yeah, a very a, a POV shot from Tom Holland's asshole, which is an interesting choice. <laughs> Let's get a Zolly in there. Um, which, by the way, <laughs> which, by the way, I didn't hate the POV from his butthole. Uh, first off, I, I really like this movie, and I feel almost embarrassed saying it because I thought you were joking for a second about the butthole thing. But no, now that's I'm a hundred like, percent oh. real thing. A point of view uh, from Tom Holland's butthole camera camera shot. It's like an action scene. He's running shaky cam. <laughs> <He's pointing around. laughs> Shove the GoPro up his ass. Yeah, I mean, I had to do it. Um, I really liked Cherry and I, I, like I said, it's, it's stupid to even be embarrassed. Like you like what you like, but it's been so unanimously panned that I feel a little strange, but like, I really like Cherry. And I think it's this because I, as you, everyone who listens to the show a lot knows, I have a history of, uh, addiction struggles, right? Uh, which by the way, I recently celebrated nine years. Yeah. Very excited Congrats, about that. Buddy. I don't know if you have the applause thing on there, but please don't. <laughs> <laughs> This is for you. I deserve that. This Thank you. you. Thank you, everybody. Sober. I know most of you find not doing narcotics to be an easy task, but I, I have achieved it. Uh, but anyway. Four more years. Four more years. <laughs> Stop the steal. Wait, what? Um, so the, I don't know if you know the, the history of the movie, but uh, Tom Holland played. It's a, 
it's a it's a true story. A, the, a man wrote this book, uh, you know, an autobiography in prison. Uh, but it's the story of a man who you know grew up normal and went to the army um, to to be a medic. Came home PTSD, drugs, and then bank robberies, robberies, right? But um, I honestly thought it was a shockingly accurate portrayal of the progression of my drug addiction and what it was like. Cause he's there with his wife and their the strain that it puts on their relationship and just the, the ugliness of like just being a, a couple in love, but so obsessed with getting well or getting their fix. And it was so gross and hard to watch because of how accurate it was. Um, I just was struck by that. And, and like, there's the scene not to spoil, you, know, you can skip ahead 30 seconds or so. Um, but like he's laying in a drunk tank, withdrawing, uh, puking on the floor while all the other inmates are like stepping over him and cussing. And um, like that is 100 percent like how it is. And it's just like Carissa at one point, my wife, she like put her hand on my shoulder because I was like so obviously being profoundly emotionally affected by it um, in a way that she didn't understand, but knew that I was experiencing. I don't know. I just found it. It's good for that. Like, I think it'd be good for people to see. Um, I thought it was really neat. And, and some people were accusing, uh, Tom Holland of being miscast, uh, because he's so, I don't know what the word is. Uh, so Tom Holland, he's Tom Holland. He's innocent. <laughs> and like, what's this kid doing shooting heroin and robbing banks. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that is a hundred percent why he was cast and why he was perfect because the things that drug addiction can make normal people do are every bit that ugly and strange. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, yeah, absolutely. Drugs took me to a place that people that grew up with me were like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, because I was just super innocent nerd, like sitting there sure. by choice, reading J.R. Tolkien novels my whole life, not bothering anybody. That's why I never got busted and just don't look the type. You right. Know what I mean? And yes. so I think Tom Holland was perfect. And I, I, so I actually recommend that you watch the movie. Um, there were some very valid criticisms about the Rooster brothers choices. I love the movie. And by the end of it, that's how I felt. So, ha, huh. take that. Ha. Huh. Did you guys see when the uh, poster, the poster art for that was first revealed? Is it uh, by the, like Vanity Fair? The one that's just a picture of Tom Holland, but it's red? Yeah, it's a picture of his face, but they like messed up and released like a glitched version of the art and it said like chirk or something. Oh, no, it, I cherry, thought that was just the font that they chose and I hated it. it. Yeah, it was super fucked and you like couldn't read it at yeah. all. And it's like, what the fuck? Whose decision was that? Yeah. And then eventually they had to roll it back and be like, that was an accident. It was an accident. This is the real thing. But was it? I don't know. Or was a graphic designer fired? <laughs> <laughs> you sold us on this, man. This did not work like you told me it was. That's not what the movie's called. <laughs> it's not Chirk. It's not Chirk at all. That guy got fired, got a job at HBO Max, and then put Justice League on Tom and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Same dude. God. Put that as resume under accomplishments. <laughs> Damn it, Paul. I knew I should have called these references. People say I like to think outside the box. Uh. <laughs> anyway, it was good marketing. Maybe he's right. Time will tell. That's all I have. Let's move on to a tiny version of a segment we call Check the Gate. Check it. Check it. All right, check the gate. A segment wherein we, Andy, Steve, and Chris, streaming things members, bring to you, audience slash listener, wonderful, steaming hot, fresh TV and film news you can get literally so anywhere fresh. else. 
And I don't have any this week. I just love that bumper. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> I have one and it's okay. so short. I'm dying laughing. So do you guys know, Andy and I both read a lot of fantasy novels. We talked about it a lot. Steve somewhat as well. Do you know the, the Wheel of Time series? Uh, sounds really familiar. Remind me. No. Robert Jordan. Robert Jordan is the author. I mean, there's like, what, 14? Yeah, shit. Like I've that. only read the first one or two. It wasn't my thing. Is it the book that it, it features a wheel um, of time? And some time as well. Yes. You're getting close. Uh, it's a high fantasy series of books. And I would imagine it's off the success of Game of Thrones that a lot of these type of shows got greenlit. I don't know how well Robert Jordan this is going to work, but it's going to debut uh, in this April on Amazon. So I thought we would at least mention it. Saw an article about it. Didn't even know that it was in production. Everyone else has probably long been in the know. And that's all I have for you this week on Check the Games. Fresh fucking news. I was so excited about the Snyder Cut and, and the Falcon and the Winter Soldiers. I was very consumed by all of that. Chelsea Army Hammers had a sexual assault uh, investigation open against them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. LAPD uh, is investigating. It's uh, messed up. Yeah. To yeah. eat people. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. whole scenario. Uh, very strange. Very strange. Yeah, it's a weird thing. I don't feel qualified to even talking about it on here because yeah, I don't feel news. like I can. Yeah, it is news for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's just not the kind of thing I trust myself to to sure. lend the amount of uh, uh, gravitas uh, that, that it, it deserves. deserves. Yes, you need to get like a Dan Rather's voice to do that. Type yeah, of shit. yeah, definitely not me. I'm not to be trusted with that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm I'm to bring get back the Lord of the Rings. Chris, get it away from him. It's kind of like if that news were the One Ring. And I'm Gandalf, right? Don't <laughs> don't tempt me, Andy. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. Andy, I'm do know that I would use this news for good. <laughs> <laughs> but through me. <laughs> exactly. We are a terrible power. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. All right. So moving on. Um, I guess. As a group crossing stream, which is something I never thought I would say <laughs> again. Um, we all watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which debuted on Disney+. Plus. Uh, let's go around, give our overall thoughts. Andy, start us off. What did you think of The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, which are not two separate things? <laughs> I just think it's funny to make it sound like it is. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. It uh, It felt very much like, and apparently the showrunners have been saying this from the beginning, that it felt like the first hour of a very long Marvel movie. And they said it is essentially just like a six hour movie or four hours or whatever. Um, it felt like that. It did not feel like a self-contained story like you would expect from a, uh, from an episodic venture such as this. Uh, whereas like WandaVision was very much like, just by nature of the whole conceit of the show where they switch genres and decades of uh, television that they're kind of aping, um, that uh, was felt episodic in its very nature. This does not. And so I don't think it lends itself as well to, uh, to the um, Disney plus uh, Marvel oeuvre that they're trying to establish. It feels like, the extended version of a B grade uh, Marvel movie, which is not to say bad, um, just different. And as far as the B stands for best, yeah, <laughs> best boy, best, best, <laughs> best boy. boy. Um, but now all of that said, like the action, like that sequence in the beginning uh, where the Falcon is uh, 
busting into this helicopter to try to rescue a uh, dude. The action in that sequence. Oh, we're not doing spoilers, right? No, but we're this, this is the opening scene of the show. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure this, everyone know we're not going to be doing spoilers for the rest of the season. We're just kind of doing general stuff. So don't worry about us like spoiling shit. For gotcha. Um, so anyway, just the action sequence in there uh, was fantastic. And I think that was probably the coolest the Falcon has ever been. Um, it was neat to see him go up against uh, George St. Pierre. So that was it was a little throwback to the beginning of uh, uh, Winter Soldier, Winter Captain Soldier, America. Yeah. That was the guy uh, in the boat. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, a world famous UFC fighter, George St. Pierre. He's uh, also like, the guy in the boat, right? <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know he was. More a people UFC know fighter. him as guy on the boat, but go on. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know he was the world famous UFC fighter. I'm like, oh, that's the guy from the boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's like the greatest light heavyweight of all time in the UFC, or, well, or maybe middleweight. I don't remember. In my second mind, greatest guy on boat of all time. Yeah, second greatest <laughs> next to the. <laughs> Sorry, just, and he's gonna make a Jaws joke, right? Yeah, and he, <laughs> I'm with you. He is uh, French Canadian. I'm glad you understand me. <laughs> all of the uh, French uh, language stuff. It's not just French guy on boat that he was cast for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, I dug it. I, I really did. I saw a tweet uh, earlier today from Jason Schreier, uh, and he said, "Spoiler free, but there's a scene in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier that makes a great case for why the Avengers need to unionize." And I thought that was hysterical. And it does kind of oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, lean into kind a little more of a down-to-earth Avengers story. Sort of, in, in a way, WandaVision did, where it feels kind of homely. I guess homely is the wrong word, homey. Mm, yeah. Um, and so it was, like, weird to see, like, the Falcon driving around in a pickup truck. You know what I mean? Kind of like it felt weird to see Wanda riding around in a Buick when she can fly, you know? Um, yeah. So in that regard, it's pretty cool to see... Uh, a little, a, a little slower paced, um, kind of more intimate experience with Avengers characters that, let's be honest, most people don't care much about, and I think they're aware of that. And so hey, they, you shut they your make, mouth. I love guy on boat. <laughs> they make they take great strides to uh, kind of expand on and humanize these characters, and I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, what'd you guys think? So I really, really liked it. I, um, it's it's ver- like where WandaVision was this weird, you know, kind of very high concept story. This is very much like boots on the ground. We're doing an action thriller. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you know, you're playing Jane action thriller, but they're doing it really, really well. Uh, the first action scene is really, really cool, especially when you think like this is a made for, essentially a made for TV production. And I mean, while the CGI is not the best, it's still really damn good for a, what essentially is a TV show, you know, a lot better than it was in WandaVision. It reminds me a lot of like, it reminded me a lot of the, the independence day scene when, the, um, Will Smith's flying through the, the Canyon and with the spaceship, it like mm-hmm. it reminded me a lot of that. But, but, but the thing I liked most about it is, um, I always, I've been a fan of Anthony Mackie guy who plays soldier. I'm a huge fan of Sebastian Stan as well. So, I really, really like what they're setting up for these characters to kind of go through over the next however many episodes in the season. Um, the central conflict that Falcon faces is really interesting. I'm really, really into the uh, the central conflict for um, Bucky Barnes. Yeah. The yeah, Winter Soldier. I think that's going to be a really cool story. Um, and, I, and I'm just really, really excited to see where it goes because I, I like... We all, I think we all generally liked WandaVision. I would probably grade it a B minus overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, 
I have a feeling that this show is going to be a lot more like what I want out of these type of shows. Okay. And I'm very, very happy to, to see that because it looks gorgeous too. It's really well filmed. Like some yeah. of the shots, like it's always impressive when you can get a, you, you, um, when a show or a movie has a scene where it's literally just two characters sitting in chairs talking mm-hmm. and you're still like, wow, that's a cool shot, man. I like that shot. That's pretty. And th- you know, that's in here. And so I'm, I'm just looking forward to more of the show. Um, Chris, what did, uh, what were your thoughts on the first episode of Falcon and winter soldier? Um, so not to be a Debbie downer, uh, I can't really get into, I have, I have thoughts, right? But I can't really get into why without spoiler territory, but I did not really like the episode at all. Um, in fact, it sort of soured me on WandaVision in retrospect as well in a weird oh, really? way. Um, I, I think the whole thing that they seem to be doing with these with these shows is on the surface extremely fascinating. They, they're explore, exploring uh, post post blip um is is the main focus and like what are these characters that we didn't get to spend that much time with how did they how did they go through it and now that things have toned down like there's no universe threat there's no you know galactic threat Mm. so how do they cope what's their day-to-day like which that's fascinating to me and i love the idea of that it's just the way that it's being executed is very strange to me um there are things that falcon in particular is going through um with his family. Uh, and I can't, I don't even know what I can or can't say, but it seems to be an issue. Like you said, the union joke I think it was in reference to that, mm-hmm. that should not be something he's going through. And it's not believable to me that he's going through that whatsoever. Um, sure. he has very close friends with ridiculous means that it's just, there's no way at all that he would be going through this. And if it, if he, if he is, that says things morally about characters now dead that I love that are just like really not good in retrospect. That's um, a fair point. And it's, it's such a bad thing screenwriting wise that it just takes me out of it completely. Um, and I think they're trying to go somewhere with it. And I know this is such a stupid conversation cause I can't talk about spoilers. So the listeners probably being like, okay. Um, <laughs> I think they're trying to do something with it on purpose that is very noble, but it's just not working for me because there's no good screenwriting to underpin it. Um, I love the things that I did like, I like the, the winter soldier in, Oh, I can't say that either. <laughs> I almost said oh, some spoilers. Um, I like the Winter Soldier too. Yeah. Bucky Barnes is a cool guy. <laughs> He's got uh, an arm. I see. I wrote all these spoilery things. I'm just seeing now. Um, if you want, I can press the button. Press a button. You want me to press the button? I'm not sure what the button. Yeah, press the button. Press the button. All right, we're Spoiler guys. Button. We're pressing the button. You are entering spoiler territory. You're bullshit. Bullshit. All right, so we're entering spoiler territory for Falcon and Winter Soldier. If you don't want to hear it, fast forward, what, five minutes? This is fucking steamy. This is unplanned spoiler territory. (laughs) You are on unprecedented ground. So this is spoilers for episode one of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Both the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're going to spoil them both. Tony Stark's alive, guys. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, my God. No, okay, so what I was talking about, right? Um, the fact that he's trying to help his sister's business, he being Falcon, right? Uncle Sam, which they blatantly call him. What the fuck? Hate that. Yeah, his um, name is Sam. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing it on purpose because he's going to be the next Captain America, most likely. Anyway, how is he struggling financially? 
Like what the fuck? He could literally just call Pepper Potts. Let's just assume Tony was like a super piece of shit and didn't pay him or, you know, take care of him at all. And also that was the thing, though. He's a high ranking, not only like in the military because Falcon was in the the Air Force, but he's like special ops crazy guy. They got to be paying him. Yeah. So I think he's wearing billion dollar tech. I think you're right that the military should be paying him. He could sell a wing. Iron Man was paying him because if you remember, Falcon was on the lamb for however many years not on payroll, not getting paid. Okay, but now he helped save the world. Hey, Pepper, could you maybe... Toss me a couple bucks. I mean, just a couple, Millie. Pepper's, Pepper's grieving, my man. <laughs> I, it just seems... You heard her. She said, we'll be fine. Yeah, and then when and when Falcon's like, hey, Pepper, can I get some money? She's like, we're fine. <laughs> so we are fine, <laughs> Falcon man. We are fine. <laughs> right. You. <laughs> you go ahead and figure some shit out. Uh, so this is a tweet from Brian Duffield, uh, a screenwriter that I really like. I've talked about on the show many times because I've just recently discovered how much I like him. So I keep bringing him up. This is what he tweeted today. I'll just throw that out there. Um, I appreciate that the Marvel shows illustrate that Iron Man and Captain America were terrible leaders who did the bare minimum to take care of their teams. Apparently, no one is leading the Avengers so Steve could grow old. Gazillionaire Stark never paid anyone. Falcon out here not able to get a loan for a shitty business. Wanda imprisons towns and Vision's corpse just gets abducted. Uh, so there's such a vacuum of leadership that the pl- plot of Falcon Winter Soldier seems to be that the U.S. government randomly announces a new leader of the Avengers and everyone is like, oh, shit, guess there's a new cap. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, and then somebody got took issue with that, probably a huge Marvel fan, and said, wouldn't the vacuum of leadership and listlessness of everyone without them suggest they were great leaders with no contingency plan in place for their demise? And Brian said, that would be by definition, uh, make them terrible leaders <laughs> since their whole job is protecting the world, which they have obviously failed at since half of it gets murdered. So um, I think what he means is- Solid like, point. Uh, there's a lot of the plot of also WandaVision that just, while interesting, if you start to pick at it, retroactively shits on Steve Rogers and Tony Stark. Right. Um, and specifically with, I don't don't know. So anyway, back to Falcon and winter soldier, some things I did like that I couldn't talk about before. Now I can, I love the idea of of the winter soldier in therapy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that that is extremely interesting. This therapist is hilarious. She, I love her. She's doing a a great, she's my favorite character in the show so far. She's great. Um, I love their interaction. I love the whole idea of him being tortured, uh, sort of in like a Jason Bourne kind of way, uh, like sleeper cell. I kind of remember what I did. I'm not that guy, but I totally did it. So he's got all this guilt, that whole scene about him, you know, having uh, dinner with that, the, the older Asian man. And and you've come to find out that's, He's the, he murdered his son, you know, in the flashback that we got. And, oh, my God, that would be terrible. And, yeah. Um, so I, I love the demons that he's wrestling with. I, that's very interesting. Falcon's whole side story, it just seems so constri- contrived. Um, and I've never been a huge Falcon fan anyway, right? Like, I don't dislike Anthony Mackie, mm-hmm. but I'm nowhere near on your level. He's kind of rubbed no, me the wrong way so from we, the get. We've talked about this. Like, I, I like Anthony. I think we all like Anthony Mackie. Right. Anthony Mackie's never been in, like, the thing that's good. You know what I mean? He's yeah. never been the lead actor in a great movie or show. So it's always, I'm always, like, rooting for him and wanting him to, like, come on, man. Get, yeah, he seems like such an awesome guy and you he's so obviously thing, talented. Yeah. <laughs> get, get somebody, give him a thing. I'm Write some good words the, for him. I'm hoping that the show's that thing. Yeah. But we'll see. Time will tell. I mean, so, they're leaning heavy that he is going to be Captain America by the end of this show. 
Well, yeah, because Falcon becomes, and it's canon that he will yeah. eventually be. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I, and I and I did some weird comic book nerd dives, and you know his little friend Torres, I think is his name, his buddy, oh yeah, the yeah, military buddy. Apparently, in comics, that character becomes the second Falcon. Oh, that's cool. So, will we see that? I don't know. Who knows? Find out next week. Did you guys well, see who the new Cap was? Apparently, um, Wyatt Russell. That's, I uh, didn't know. I was going to make a joke. I just love the meme that's like, Mom, can we get Captain America? And Mom's like, we have Captain America at home, and it's a picture of that guy. <laughs> I saw a picture of the, at home. the old man from Up with the Captain America hat on. This dude looks goofy. It's like this dork. It's like, what the, who the hell is that? He, he does look really goofy. He looked yeah. like he drank bitter beer or He's something. Like, I'm here, guys. <laughs> he looked really weird in that in the mask for some reason. Do you know who Wyatt Russell is? No. Uh, uh, so it's Kurt, is he a Kurt, UFC fighter, Kurt Russell, <laughs> Kurt Russell, and Goldie Hawn's daughter. Uh, he was the lead in the Black Mirror episode playtest um, about the uh, VR video game. Yes, uh, also with Anthony Mackie, right? Uh, well, Anthony Mackie's in. No, he's in the uh, fighter love making one. Oh, that's what I thought you were saying. Uh, this yeah, is yeah. the horror one where the dude's testing a VR headset. Yeah, and uh, it all takes place within like seconds or whatever. Um, uh, he was also uh, one of the leads in uh, Overlord, that uh, World War II sci-fi horror movie. Oh, Didn't yeah. watch it. Um, it's really good, actually. The zombie uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I, it, it looks nothing like him in that. I, I just I, I saw that on. Yeah, I think the mask. Some, the mask doesn't do him um, any favors. And that has to be on purpose, right? Oh, for sure. No, yeah, yeah I think it's hundred percent intentional. I think they're and making the audience feel like that guy. There's something I don't like this. Whether or not he'll be a bad guy or something is yet to be seen, but... I will 100% watch every episode of this show the day it comes out. I'm just... I was a little disappointed, and spoilers for later, I think it was partially because I watched it right, you know, a couple hours after I finished the Snyder Cut, and uh, was on was on a high from that. You know what I mean? Uh, so, um, there's that. But I... So... I think we were on opposite spectrums. Long story short, <laughs> I really dig Bucky's... Storyline, mm-hmm. very just kind of iffy on on uh, Falcons there. Um, I also one of my favorite moments was uh, when when Bucky's out to lunch with the old guy and he convinces him to ask the the bartender out on a date, and, he, and the old guy says, you know, take her to a bingo and pinochle, you know, because it's <laughs> yeah. which is goofy. It's like he's old, but he's still lived the past thirty years. Like you right. got to know that's not cool anymore. But it was super cute. Um, and also the fact that Bucky's actually older than him right. is funny to me too. It is funny. She's like, how old are you? And he's like 106. And she's like, ha. Uh-huh. And like no, he seriously is. Um, anyway, that stuff was cute to me. Um, somebody said Dr. Space Cape at one point too. Apparently I wrote that down thought that was funny. Don't know who said that or why, but Dr. just want to throw that Space note Cape. out there. Uh, what's up with that? Do you guys know anything about the flag smashers or I don't know any, I don't know if you read no. any of those comics or anything. What know no, what's going on? No, I know nothing. I love that they acknowledged in the show, like, yeah, this is a super dumb, dumb name, but we're running with it. Like, I thought that was funny. Um, also, I read when I was looking for who played the psychiatrist, um, the character that, that Steve and I both love in the show. I found out that Daniel Brühl is in this show. It's yes. Funny. He's so, in the trailers. I didn't watch any because I don't watch trailers. Yeah, I know. So now I'm actually really excited. It's changed my whole perspective. Now he was in Civil War, right? Yeah, he was the the, the, the antagonist Nero. of Civil War. So I assume he's one of the, I'm assuming he's a a flag smasher or something. Mm. And we'll find out. We'll find out. I always love Baron Zemo in the comic books and TV shows. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see like, because they didn't really like do like 
Baron Zemo as the character is in the comics in Civil War. I think he, his portrayal is really great in Civil War, so I'm excited to see that character kind of become more. Dude's a good actor. What it, yeah, I like Brule. Phenomenal. So, does anybody else have any thoughts, uh, spoiler or non? I mean, Andy, now that we are spoiling, I mean, do you ha- you don't have to come up with something, but do you have anything that you kind of wanted to say that couldn't? No, I, f- or- I feel like I got my so points across. You guys were both more positive than not on the the first episode, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like, feel like Steve super positive, Andy middling. ambivalent, and then me just didn't like. Right, so we got a good mix. Yeah, this is a good. This is what we call a discussion here. Here we go. There we go. I feel like this next one's going to be fun. So are we done with Falcon? Mm-hmm. Are we done with Winter Soldier as well? I'm yes. done with the Falcon. I'm done with the <laughs> Winter Soldier. I'm not done with Don Cheadle, but we'll. we'll get I know there. we didn't get to mention Don Cheadle <laughs> poking his head in there. Super happy about that. He's getting paid by somebody. War Machine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our main event, Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's fucking fire. My hat totally hit the microphone when I looked at you. Worth it, bro. That was rocking so hard. Wonder Woman's theme just does so many things emotionally for me. I don't yeah, even so know if I can continue. We were trying to think of a cool like music, like Justice League song to transition into this segment. We're like, let's just do Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman's <laughs> guitar is like, and like, dude, six to midnight every goddamn time. <laughs> every time. That just gets me. I should just have this be my alarm in the morning and I would just wake up so ready to kick ass. You would wake up and like, you would speed ramp into the bathroom, but slow down suddenly to like brush your teeth and speed ramp back out of the bathroom. Yeah, like I'm <laughs> completely physically capable of doing. Yeah, you know, real life. All right, listeners, I know you've waited for this moment for years with bated breath, the Zack Snyder's Justice League has finally debuted. The world can continue vindicated, redeemed as a species. <laughs> as a species. The world is the species. Number one accomplishment of mankind. Going to the moon. Number two. Zack Snyder's. No, Absolutely. Three penicillin. We had to throw it in there. We got, we got to throw penicillin in there. So no matter what side of the fence you fall on or fell on before its debut, fall on now that it's out. No one can deny with any sort of honesty that this is a huge event, unprecedented in film or Absolutely. humanity at all. I mean, a wave of entitled, rabid, rude fans have bullied the world into spending almost $100 million to recreate one man's vision of a comic book movie and it worked and it's here and it's what is it? We're about to find out. I don't know. So who wants to go first? We're going to do overall thoughts. Spoiler free. Just like metal gear solid style snuck across the room and grabbed a a notepad. It looks like he's got a bunch of notes. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, you don't have to show off. Chris Um, and I are just kind of sitting here talking and Andy's like, he just kind of came out of nowhere with this notepad full of notes. And it's like, oh shit. So ready. I have thoughts. I don't know if you've seen the movie seven, but it's actually like nine composition books with tiny print on front and back of each page. So get ready for this. Uh, All right. So we're going to do spoiler free overall thoughts and then we'll uh, do spoiler filled discussion again. Hit the fucking button, Steve. (laughs) That's what you're here for. Andy, what did you think of Zack Snyder's Justice League? Okay, so I will start by saying that I enjoyed it a lot more than the theatrical release. And the theatrical release at the time, I said I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Um, Which is to say I expected the theatrical release to be dog shit, and it was cat shit instead. You know, it was not good, but it wasn't 
god awful. This I expected to still be a bad movie, and it still is. But it is still better than the theatrical cut. Is so, it, is it is it still feces like analogously? Um, no, I think we've uh, transitioned into urine. Uh, which you <laughs> yeah, know it's better is sterile and uh, you know can be consumed. Uh, some some health experts, <laughs> right. some health experts even say that it's good for you. Hmm. Um, so um, I I, sh- I, sh- I shouldn't say that it is piss. It is still not a great movie, and so my issue with it is that it is four hours long, and that is way 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 too long. Uh, I would love to, I, I think this movie is a testament to why producers need to exist. I think that I would love to see the producer's cut of this director's cut where they narrowed it down to where it's the a Deborah Snyder cut usable. <laughs> or to where that was a Snyder cut. We were th- I thought we were in for it. <laughs> I, I was very sad when I saw Zack Snyder on it, not Deborah. <laughs> I thought it was the Rob Schneider cut and I was super upset. It wasn't funny at all. <laughs> oh, no, I'm Batman. <laughs> um, so Zack Snyder has said in interviews that this movie had to be this long in order to tell that story. And if that's true, then they needed Did to tell it? a different story. Um, no, the answer is it didn't. Uh, they, they, there needed to be somebody in the room to tell him no. And the internet changed the rules because everybody pressured the world into, Release his vision, his artistic vision. Let him do his thing. Let him do his thing. And he fucking did his thing. He gave you every conceivable establishing shot for every locale, anywhere you got. We got five silent minutes of Superman's scream reverberating through the world. Five minutes of that. Like, there's just so many ridiculous decisions that were made in it. And so... My, I, I feel like this might have worked as a episodic release thing. Now it could not have done so because the original, the 2017 theatrical release already happened. So there would be no real tension or stakes. It would have just turned into a weekly. Oh, hey, this is different. That this is how this is different from the theatrical reason and the or theatrical cut. And this is why this is worse and this is why it's better, rather than actually engaging with the story itself. And so I get why. It's like broken down into these title cards to give it an episodic feel, but that they didn't actually release it that way. Um, But it's so it's kind of stuck in this limbo of I kind of want to be a long form miniseries that does a deep dive into each of these characters. Really, everybody except Batman, they give kind of an origin story to in this show uh, or in this movie, whatever you want to call it. so it's stuck in this limbo of I want to be that, but I also am trying to just be the redemption cut for uh, for Justice League. And in that regard, I do think it is a more enjoyable uh, like overall story. It is just one that was bloated, um, frequently boring, especially in the first half, and often unnecessary. But when it worked, it worked. That's how I feel about it. All right. Steve, which bodily liquid do you <laughs> do I think? What did you think of the Snyder cut? Sweat. Uh, no. Ooh, <laughs> that's not necessarily bad. It's so um I think I definitely lean more towards Andy on this one. Um I overall do not like this movie. 
Um, and I think that has less to do with the fact that it's Zack Snyder's movie and more the fact I just don't like the movie at its core. Um, I didn't like the original Justice League. I don't like this movie. This movie is 20 times better than 2017's Justice League. There's no doubt about it. Like this movie, uh, it, it's fascinating because they added so much back in that was cut from the original movie. And everything that they added back in was great. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I kept thinking to myself, like, why was this cut? This is the best part of this movie. These are the most interesting things happening. I mean, in what world did someone decide that this should have been cut? But uh, but it was. And, and then they made, like, new goofy scenes that were in the first original installment. But, um, no, I, I, I think I agree with Andy that it's way too long. I would love to see a three-hour version of this. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think it was you bring up a good point, Andy, because I was wondering why they. I would have much preferred a more um, episodic viewing of this. But the way you, what you just said, I, I never thought of that. I think that makes perfect sense. And I'm like, oh, okay, I understand that. Mm-hmm. That's a great. I never thought of that. I think that's a great point. Um, it's it's a strange show or it's a strange movie because it's beautifully shot. It's got great craft. I think the actors are great. Um, I I just don't... There's something about it at the core, the foundations of the story and what they're trying to do with this Justice League in general that just rubs me the wrong way. Um, I I find a lot of the runtime is that's... Because it's so long, and it's like... I, I, I equate it to sweat because by the end of this movie, I was sweating. I was like, I am so upset i just want this to end i just want to like move on and do something else and so, so full full uh transparency we're recording on on saturday snyder came out thursday was that right yes this past, so a couple days ago i couldn't watch it thursday i could only watch it friday so i had to watch it friday night in order to do this podcast and i was honestly dreading it because i'm like it's four hours i don't want to do this uh, my best friend phil he reached out to me. Now, Phil has not seen any DC movie since uh, Dark Knight Rises. Like, he's seen the Nolan Batman right. trilogy, and that is it. And he was like, hey, you know, and you touched on this, Chris. Like, this is such a culturally important and significant thing happening in the zeitgeist. He's like, I feel like I have to be a part yeah, of this. Yeah, he had FOMO. Yeah, he, had, he was having some major FOMO. And he was like, hey, man, I want to be a part of this. I won't know what's going on. Um, I know you're kind of dreading watching this by yourself. Come over to my place. We'll order some food. We'll drink something and we'll watch the Snyderverse together and we'll just kind of like go on this journey together. And I'm so glad he did that because I'm completely honest. If I was not watching it with Phil, I probably would have turned this movie off 20 minutes into it because I was just that bored of it and just not feeling it and not into it. I, there's something about this, this franchise at its core that I just did that repulses me. Mm. And that's not to say that it's a bad movie because I can objectively say there's a lot of good stuff happening, but it's not for me. And that's okay because I've talked to a lot of people who are big fans of DC and they really, really enjoyed this. And even though this isn't for me, I'm incredibly happy that they were able to experience this and get the joy out of it that they had. And I'm, and, and I've said this last week, I'm really, really happy that Zach, cause I wanted, I'm on the side of, um, I'm always on the side of people making films and, you know, enacting their vision and what they love. So I'm all, I'm really happy that Zach got to make his thing. I think that's really great and really cool. That being said, it is just not for me. And so 
I mean, that's, I mean, uh, we'll get into spoilers because I'm sure when we get into spoilers, there's going to be a lot more uh, specific things that we can get into, like what we like. Because I, I think when we get into spoilers, I'm going to try to focus on the things I, I liked. Because you know me, I don't like to be super negative on this show. So I'm going to focus on the things I like when we get into spoilers. But that being said, Chris, you're looking at me with this face because I know, I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we've been doing this for a long time. And I don't think we have ever been as diametrically opposed as we are, <laughs> as we are about to be. Uh, I will say first before I put a flag, uh, what you were saying reminded me, I just watched the video. Have you ever, do you watch uh, Patrick Willems YouTube channel? Do you ever do No, that? You should. You, you specifically will love him, but he's very smart, very funny, uh, very uh, finger on the pulse kind of guy that does a lot of like film criticism on YouTube and stuff like really long, like 30, 40, 50 minute videos, breaking apart different tropes. And like things. video essays. Yes. Okay. Uh, but he does them in a way that's very engaging and funny. He, he has character recurring characters on his little YouTube show and stuff like that. Um, but he, I, the one I recently watched was about rated R comic book movies and, um, how they aren't necessary, uh, essentially, or when they are necessary, they're different than Hollywood just saying like, Oh, everybody loves rated R comic book movies now and taking the wrong message. And he goes really in depth about how Alan Moore, uh, eventually regretted, uh, writing the killing joke and what it eventually became and meant and stuff that I didn't know. Um, but anyway, he says at one point that one of the main problems with fandoms today, or, you know, not to misquote him, but what I took from it is that people can't just say this didn't suck or this wasn't it or whatever. It's ultimately this just wasn't for me. And that's OK. Do you know what I mean? Um, and he was using it in reference to something else. But it, that's what it reminded me of. And I was like, yeah, that's great. That's cool. <laughs> that's also a really like intellectual stand-up guy way of saying this fucking sucked, right? <laughs> Let's be honest here. So all that aside, so Zack Snyder's Justice League, I, I love this movie. And my initial reaction was, holy shit, you crazy bastard, you fucking did it. You know did what I mean? You crazy son of a bitch, you did it. <laughs> that was my, and that's, I actually sent that meme to Andy as my reaction. <laughs> Um, because I could not believe that after years uh, of mocking the the internet troll, the crew, the hashtag release the Snyder Cut folks, some of which are legitimately seemingly terrible people, right, <laughs> who have bullied wonderful film critics and stuff. But anyway, um, I cannot believe that there actually was a treasure trove of Zack Snyder footage that when added and cut by him into Justice League made it a very competent film. Do you know what I mean? Because he only, to my knowledge, he only reshot or added the Jared Leto uh, Joker scene, which everybody yeah. knows is in it because it's all over the internet, right? That's the only thing like fabricated later. Everything else was just re-edited or reworked or CGI fixed or whatever. Um, so indisputably, if you think this movie's better in any way, which I think we can all agree it is. Mm -hmm. Hands down. Yeah. It, <laughs> they were right. It really did exist. Do you know what I mean? So sure. I, I just think that, in and of itself is just a crazy thing. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as the movie, so I watched it all in one sitting, sitting by myself, which you said you probably would have turned it off without Phil. Um, I'm not you, so I have to take you on that, but I, I disagree. I think mm -hmm. part of what made it so amazing for me was the solitude of it. Um, there was no distractions and maybe you got off work Friday to go watch it, right? Yes. And yeah. then that might be it too. I mean, I was off Friday, so I just, I woke up, had some coffee, uh, and just fucking that was your day dove in. It was, I yeah. took a long nap afterwards. That's the <laughs> ideal way to watch it. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's for sure. 
I think that this thing is is gargantuan and grotesque and unholy and beautiful <laughs> I love and singular and amazing. Uh, that a lot of and honestly, <laughs> here's where I'm gonna. And he's right. Those are all. I would describe <laughs> it that way too. <laughs> I think it's gonna be. Uh, I got a. I got a fucking steaming hot take for you guys. Oh man, <laughs> this is partial hyperbole, just because of I think a rubber band reaction to how much you guys disliked it. Maybe, but I'm gonna go ahead and just. This is on record for all time. I think Zack Snyder's Justice League is better than Infinity War and Endgame. Wow. That's how good I think this movie is. Wow, okay. I think that this man is trying to do something. And I'm you know, if you ever listen to the show, I made fun of the fact that this thing was going to exist. So I'm clearly not like DC fanboy biased or anything. Wonder Brothers isn't paying you. Not at all. Not a cent. That much. They're paying me as much as Tony Stark. Paid. Okay, I can't say that now. That, that bumper's gone. Uh, <laughs> paid his workers. Um the, there's something about Zack Snyder's Justice League that goes above and beyond its source material. It's he's there's something meta about the way that it's shot, and I don't mean four by three. Uh, it's the idea of of superheroes as gods. Um, in fact, what they are in this universe to people who are not superheroes, but also what superheroes are to us as fans. Um, everything that we could ever aspire to be. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Like it's the the mythos itself, superheroes as myth that he's playing with. Like this movie is not. I said that to be funny and to be to be uh, what's the word um, controversial, but really this movie shouldn't even be compared to Endgame. I mean, Zack Snyder's Justice League is closer to extended Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's closer to the Iliad. Yeah, I, it's extended Lord of the Rings. I agree with yeah. It's a Homeric version of a comic book superhero story. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it is just and totally meant to be unwieldy and epic. And uh, the shots are gorgeous. The score was amazing. It's occasionally funny. I mean, you need that in a four hour span, an mm-hmm. occasional chuckle. Thank you, Flash. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, the only thing that I could really say, even picking it apart, um, and I have read a dozen articles, watched multiple YouTube videos. I really tried to make sure that I felt this way. Do you know what I mean? Sure. I definitely do. The only thing I can point to in agreement is a major criticism, and it's hardly one, is that um, Aquaman is still pretty sorely misused or underused. They mm-hmm. couldn't find much for him to do. And I would argue Batman that was is too. Andy's main criticism uh, the first time was I listened to our first review of this movie to make was sure. Um, yeah, yeah, you talked a lot about yeah. Jason Momoa being underused and how awkward it was when they do find something for him to do. He just, mm-hmm. I think Steve called him awkward, bro. He, he, he's still in this one. His job is to take a shot and get knocked off camera. And like that, that's his role still. And it's in, tough. In cut. Somebody whose powers are Water mostly based. underwater, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I said it as <laughs> as well as I needed to say it. I, you know, it's, that's pretty much all of my overall thoughts. Um, so yeah, not only did I like, I actually liked it. Like, I, I think, think that's great. Man. I think it's a masterpiece. I'm pretty sure. Wow, I think that's great. Yeah. Like I said, like this isn't for me, and so I'm, I, and I know because I mean, I know you really liked it just based off the tweets you had. But I talked to a couple friends of mine who also really, 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 really love this movie, and so it's it's just great that people are getting that from it 
Because I would be so unhappy if like I watch this movie. It's not for me. I don't like it. But then so many other people who are much more invested into uh, DC characters as a whole also walked away feeling the same way I did. I would feel, I would be like, man, that sucks. Like no one liked mm-hmm. this. Right. And <laughs> it's all for not. And I don't feel like this is all for not. And more to Andy's point too. And not just to be like, I disagree. I mean, I think it's constructive in a, in a constructive way. You said, uh, you know, this is why producers exist. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't feel more different in one sense. Like, of course that's you're hundred percent right. This movie doesn't deserve to exist in this form. It's ridiculous. And I think that's what makes it so beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like Lord of the Rings is a book that wouldn't be published today. It honestly wouldn't. There's nothing financially lucrative in that text, except sure. that it clearly fucking is. They were wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think. Or was. <laughs> right. You know, a film as, as film lovers, I think most of us laud. Uh, we all love these comic book stories. But most of us, which ones do we we all would cheer for? Like just massive applause, right? Thor Ragnarok, Logan, you know, WandaVision when it first debuted. Logan. We love when they decide to do something incredibly unique with these characters that we love. Mm-hmm. We've seen them superhero land and blue beam in the sky and fly around and punch. What can you do with the emotional core of these stories, right? That being said, lots of blue beams in skies. But we love when people take <laughs> risks and they do something weird. We let one man's vision of these stories, you know, what I mean? like James Mangold. Yeah. What can you do with Wolverine? Right. You can make a fucking Mangold Western out of it. That'd be James, amazing. James Gunn. What can you do with Guardians of the, Guardians Galaxy? Of the Galaxy? Taika Waititi. Take Thor yeah. and just peace off, ghost. Do peace your off. thing. Right. Peace <laughs> off, ghost. And those are for me. Those are all of my favorite versions. Mm-hmm. These are all my favorite of the 30 or so movies that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and not uh, Zack Snyder do that with Justice League. And everybody and some people are like, who gave that fucking man the camera? Like, this is way too expensive. <laughs> Do what we always expect. Duh. That's what we want. And I'm like, no, that's wrong. Nay, sir. Mm. Nay. Nay. Um, that's my mic drop on that, I guess. I, I like there's a good point, because you're right. This movie, the way it is now, Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO Max. If Zack Snyder, if that horrible tragedy hadn't befallen Zack Snyder. And he was able to finish this movie originally back in 2017. What came out in theaters would not have been this. Right. Right. This is would not have been in the same way that I kind of rubber banded your vitriol. Like I think he rubber banded not being able to do what he wanted and was just given complete artistic license. Yeah. And and this kind of goes to Andy's point where like there's been such a, a an outpour of like we need to see Zach's vision at this point, it doesn't do them any. It, like, it really doesn't do them any favors to like. Well, let's trim it down. It'll be a bad yeah. Movie. Warner Brothers blank checked him. At this point, they're doing Lord of the Rings extended edition, where mm-hmm. it's like this is for people who want to see all this shit. Yeah, and they don't. They're not necessarily into seeing the best version of what this movie can be. They want to see the like as much as this movie as there can be. And Chris mentioned it that is when the I was best version. I don't. <laughs> I it's don't too, think so. Yeah. I think I think like, there's a much. I think there's a better movie. With what you're getting at, I think there is a better movie somewhere in there. I think they can tighten it up. Like, where do you go into the Iliad and start trimming verses, right? You know what I mean? Like, that the just first. There's verse. plenty of them. There's some boring <laughs> ones, right? But it's like, do you really do that? Do you dare? Yeah, like, but do you need 
this isn't a spoiler, but as a as an idea of like trimming some of the fat off this movie, do we need to have the Nordic lady singing to Aquaman as he swims away? So and then and then one of the them, whole song, the whole time they were singing the song, I'm like one of them's gonna sniff that sweater, one of them's gonna sniff it, sniff it, and then she does, but she makes me wait. <laughs> she makes me wait a minute before she takes know what that it, sweater and sniffs it the whole time. I'm sitting there like, she's going to do it. She's going to fucking do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. And then she does. <laughs> Whereas it would have been much better if he's like, bye, Batman. Swam away. <laughs> do you know, what, you know what it reminds me of is um, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, how many times watching his movie are you like, do we really need uh, an, a classic new age cinema uh, four minute opening credit sequence? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay, we get it. You watched a lot of old movies, right? But you just fucking love it. It, it, it could be no other way, mm-hmm. right? right? Do we need, you know, a three hour, 20 minute, well, a one room scene movie uh, about a bunch of terrible people in a blizzard, Right. Yes, you fucking yes, we do. We need the shit out of that. You know what I mean? Like you don't even question it because he has earned that. You know what I mean? And and you but just But at the same time, telling, none of those movies are four hours long. Right. They're they approach that. I mean, you're you're a good fifty minutes fifty minutes shy, man. Not in Glorious Bastards. I'm sorry. Hateful uh, Hateful Late on Netflix does, but that's also broken up in episodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you could have I mean there was we'll get into that, right? We'll get into that. I just wanted to respond and then let Andy double respond because that would be rude not to. But <laughs> when you initially text me, this is why producers exist. I was so shocked because I had taken the exact opposite lesson from that. Because mm-hmm. we had been discussing a lot of things that mm-hmm. kind of all were in one theme in the past few weeks where we said, uh, what are we, what were we talking about? Um, we were talking about something about that the studio. Oh, we were talking about uh director's cuts. Yeah. Blade Runner. They fucking, what did the studio do? They did these test audiences. The well, producers came in, mm-hmm. they completely destroyed Blade Runner until he was able to fix it later. And now it is this timeless classic. Well, this, this movie in particular, and to, and I'll let, I swear, I'm sorry. Andy, I'll oh, let you talk fine. after this. Um, this movie made me realize that whoever the producers are at Warner brothers are terrible mm-hmm. because you said this is why producers exist, and I completely agree. That is why they exist, to make sure things get trimmed down so that they appeal to a wider audience. different ones need to exist. Yeah. But whoever did that to 2017's Justice League was just an idiot. Yeah. Like, because, they uh, fucked and, up hard. And we'll get into this because a lot of the stuff, again, that Zack Snyder re- re-put back into this movie, I was thinking, why would any producer cut that? That seems to derail your whole point of making this cinematic universe. Right. So... I feel like, yes, producers do need to exist, but maybe hire new ones mm-hmm. for Warner Brothers. Triple Scarandy over and piggyback off that. I just, so I was realizing. No, Andy, you're I, not getting you to talk. I got things to say. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people either uh, blame Zack Snyder or blame Joss Whedon. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that the number one issue with the DCEU is that there was no Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. hundred um, percent. That's. No director or writer's individual fault. I mean, that's the biggest issue. But Andy, 
respond before we move into t- uh, spoiler territory. Well, what say you? Well, just to respond to that for a second, uh, not not <laughs> not just the lack of a Kevin Feige, but also the lack of the necessary source material. Uh, by source material, I mean other establishing movies for these characters in order to justify the Justice League, because they tried to make their Avengers three movies in or four movies in or whatever it is. Whereas Endgame or uh, Infinity War and Endgame, you know, they're big. Or not, well, let's even just go back to regular Avengers. There had already been like two Iron Man movies and. Uh, two Captain America movies, I think, and like Thor, and like they had already established all of these characters before they went to Avengers. They didn't have to have the 20 minutes of um, the Flash and the hot dog scene and stuff like that to try to introduce you to who these people were because they already existed. But going back to responding to a couple of the other things, uh, you guys uh, call it the uh, extended Lord of the, compared it to the extended Lord of the Rings a couple of times, and I think that that is a false equivalency a little bit because. That was a taking a success, a great movie, one that did the job, and then saying, okay, here's some more. This was not that because they didn't do the job the first time. They did a job, but they didn't do the job. And so this was not a extended cut. This was a redemption cut. So there is Why are not you being a, so sexy? <laughs> so there, so <laughs> this, they, have, they still haven't made the movie. What this felt like was the better movie where they also – went into the DVD extras and took every deleted scene and popped that in there too. Instead of like, here's the right thing. And now here's also the ultimate thing. And, uh, and so it's just, it's just too much. I only equated it to the Lord of the Rings extended cut. Cause I feel like the blueprint of the edit style is there mm-hmm. not necessarily because of success, but, yeah. I, but I feel like the ending structure is very similar to like return of the King where it's like, Oh, it's over. Oh, fuck oh come no, on. No, it's not. Nope. <laughs> oh, it's over. Wait, it, nope. I, I think I took some <laughs> kind of crazy pills because I honestly wish it was longer. Um, and that's funny for me to say, but you're a mad, I'm a mad man. <laughs> so when I text Andy, uh, I had a really cool metaphor I'm really proud of. So I want to share that. <laughs> but when he was telling me about this and I'm, I'm shocked that you said you were bored so quickly. Um, it reminds me because so on our bachelor party, we hiked through the desert of Sedona, Arizona, and I kind of compared that to watching Zack Snyder's Justice League to Andy and not to be overly hyperbolic, but I'm dead serious. So it's not like halfway through the 12 mile hike, I could say this is fucking bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Like, couldn't they shorten this trail of majestic beauty and wonderment a little bit like I'm supposed to be sweating. I'm supposed to be dehydrated. I'm supposed to be cramping. It's all part of this journey that I'm learning about myself and witnessing this splendor. (laughs) And that's how I felt about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Like, yeah, I had my foot was asleep, you know, like my side hurt and both of my elbows were going numb from alternating. Uh, And I also think this would be impossible to enjoy in a theater. Uh, without a long intermission. Um, yeah. An IMAX screen would have been nice with that would have aspect been, ratio. Yeah, for sure. That was another... <laughs> what you guys I'm, think about the? this film has not been formatted from its original version to fit your screen? Like I To honor was, Zack Snyder's vision. I thought it was the... It was awesome. It, it's so funny. I get why it's funny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh God, it's a funny way to start it, but also awesome. about the, just the four by three or the, the message? Well, the fact that it's four by three and then also and then the, the message. message. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. I hate that it's four by three. I hate it. I hate it so much. Not, uh, so I understand that's the format, the I- IMAX format. How is, do you is really four feel? By, four by three. And, you know, I would love it if I was watching it on, on an IMAX, IMAX right. which I'm not. I'm watching it on my widescreen TV. I'm a human being whose 
eyesight is built on a horizontal horizon plane. So when things don't fill the horizon, it bothers me. And it took me a solid couple minutes before I was like, I, I felt anxious because I'm like, this isn't, there's something wrong with this. Cause as someone who worked in a movie theater where like, if something like that happened, it was usually like something's wrong. What's going projector on? issue. I need to fix that. Yeah. The curtains aren't closed or whatever. Cause usually curtains would close if that yeah. happened. Yeah. And so when that happens on my TV, it freaks me out. Mm. And I, it was just get some fucking curtains, Steve. Uh, well, I wasn't at my house. <laughs> if I was at my house, Phil, like, hang on, honey, get the curtains. She would be like, why? I'd be like, no time. <laughs> All right, so I guess we can safely move into spoiler territory for Justice League starting now. You are entering spoiler territory. Again. You're <laughs> bullshit. Again. You're still bullshit. That's it. And that's Steve <laughs> drunk having just finished Zack Snyder's Justice League tweeting Zack Snyder. You're bullshit. <laughs> I would never tweet you that, Zach. You're too nice of a man. Okay, before I pull out some big guns, what, do you, guys, what do you guys got spoiler-wise? Or should we have guns first? Unless you have the guns. Yeah, let's go guns blazing, buddy. I don't know if this I'm is super spoiler pro- time. Bring them guns. Uh, no guns. No Bring guns. them shooty guns. Be like Cyborg, where you get like a bunch of arms coming out of your back and you get them guns. Did Actually, you just I have a say question. shooty guns? I have a question that I could ask before we get into the guns. Okay. Is there anything from the theatrical version you missed? What do you mean? Like yes. we missed that like, it was hey, gone now? Yeah, they took it out of the. I, so I think to it. my benefit, I don't remember much about the original, like even plot wise, I remembered very little. And mm-hmm. so I was able to sort of re-enjoy it completely re-energized. Um, there's some things that I've read in my oodles of research since that I know are gone that I don't miss at all. Like mm-hmm. I was reminded of all the corny misogynistic jokes that, apparently Joss Whedon was completely the arbiter of and Zack Snyder got blamed for were all gone and added by him. So I don't remember like there was stuff like the flash falls on wonder Wonder woman and then like zaps away before she notices and gets all uncomfortable and um, lots of stuff like that. Uh, I think there was a scene where Aquaman originally held the lasso of truth. I missed that scene. I thought that that was, unless there's something bad about it that I'm not remembering. I thought it was funny. Like he starts getting all heartfelt and then realizes that he's sitting on the thing. That's the one scene that I remember that I I liked. That being said, I don't think it would have fit in the tone of this movie. Right. Because I, I remember where that scene took place in context, and I don't think it would fit with Zack Snyder's version. But I, I do miss that scene because I thought it was funny. Because, mm-hmm. listener, if you don't know, Aquaman, ha- he, he happens to sit on the lasso of truth. So he gets like really, really, he's like, honestly, guys, I'm really scared. And I don't know what's going to happen. Wonder Woman, you're hot. I love you. And... Uh, <laughs> Oh, so there is kind of all right. But anyway, I, I I thought that that scene in particular that I missed. Uh, um, but other other than that, like I, I was actually kind of surprised some of the things that were still in there that I I would have bet were a Joss Whedon addition, like when uh, they're fighting Superman when they first bring him back to life, and uh, when the Flash finally enters that fight and uh, it's all slow-mo and like Superman like oh, tur- eyes part. turn and sees him running like Ezra Miller's funky face and his weird running motion. I so don't I, I don't know why they were like, hey, Ezra Miller, have you ever seen like a bird that's kind of like on the spectrum try to fly? <laughs> Do that. That's how you run. <laughs> well, I think it's difficult to like exacerbate the uh, uh, running motion without doing that. 
Do you know what I mean? Just look at Tom Cruise and how he's run. But Just, Tom Cruise isn't like running so fast that he can turn back time. <laughs> if he Why didn't they play Cher during that? <laughs> okay, so here's my big guns, and then I'll let you guys fight the titans of industry instead of me. Um, no, this isn't me like <laughs> saying here are two of the smartest film writers in the business liking this movie more than you guys. It's totally not that. It's going to seem that way. It's not. It's totally not me saying you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, Matthew Zoller Seitz. He was actually a local resident. And if you knew that. Uh, he's As writes, Thanos once said, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> he writes for RogerEbert.com. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Son of a bitch. Uh, but anyway, just kidding. Come on. That was funny. I've heard of <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just going to pick and choose a little out of context. Some Just not you're wrong, but just people saying how I feel a little better than I can. Um, so this is uh, him. RogerAber.com. The vast majority of these blockbusters, talking about the other comic book franchises, are not intended as freestanding works of expression. They're meant to function as cogs in a content-producing machine that largely avoids painful or unanswerable questions, feeding disposable imagery and situations to viewers who expect to be rewarded for their brand loyalty and familiarity with comics lore by being given more and more and more of the thing they already know they like. The Snyder Cut, in comparison, gets closer to what Scorsese envisioned. Huge name drop. Take that for what you will. <laughs> Steve's dying laughing. Than nearly anything else the genre has produced. It's a corporate product that feels as if it sprung from a fever dream, like Superman Returns, Ang Lee's Hulk, and such uncategorizably kooky, daring non-superhero comics adaptations as Popeye, A History of Violence, Road to Perdition, and American Splendor. Um, blah, 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 blah. Right. So then he goes on later. So was he stoked on Ang Lee's Hulk? Some of those movies he referenced aren't good. Right. But what he's saying is, I think the swing, the courage of the conviction. Okay. Rather than endlessly the same thing. Um, so uncharacteristically for Snyder, the camera often doesn't move unless it needs to. And the scene doesn't cut away until it has rung out the last drop of whatever vibe it was cultivating. And I think this is what Andy takes issue with throughout the direction seems not merely unhurried, but meditative to the point of pokiness. Uh, this is the Santantango of superhero flicks an art house tailbone killer. The point is not to shovel plot information at the viewer. The point is to create a fantastic world where metaphors are real and to give you time to roam around it and savor all the details. Scenes often start long before screenwriting manuals tell you they should with characters approaching and or entering regions, cities, facilities, and continue way past the point Walking when upstairs. significant ex exposition has been communicated. They this, walk upstairs. I love this so fucking <laughs> This is a feature, not a bug, and it results in a good number of the scenes and sequences that make the film feel special, even as they eliminate any possibility that Zack Snyder's Justice League will tell a propulsive, coherent, orderly tale. Mm. And I'll, I've got another even cooler one to read later. But anyway, I'll just drop that in because okay. I think that that Jesus, I lost my voice. <laughs> there. I think I'm getting scared. I think that that is directly what, you know, you sure. took, I mean, we spent not that we're special. We're nerds like everybody else. But we spent a lot of time reading Sid Field and Blake Snyder and, sure. you know, screenwriting manuals. And this obviously breaks a lot of those rules. It does. I would argue as any dangerously unique art should Sure. Right. Learn the rules so you can learn how to break them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so go off to respond to a couple of those things. Like I do agree that sometimes you it, it can be effective to break those rules to jump in before screenwriting manuals will tell you you should and stay after the scene should have ended. It can be effective until you do it for every fucking scene. Um, 
And so like that was one, honestly early on, one of the things that I started to really take issue with was with this uh, movie was every scene got a series of establishing shots, not just like, hey, here we are, but here's a, here's the vista. Now here's the wide. Now here's the other angle. Here's three minutes of the icy wastelands before you. It's like Batman putting out the fire and going down to talk to Aquaman. Like it's just it it, it was essentially like a look at all this pretty footage we got and it's cool, but I'm not watching planet earth. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like a get, get on with it eventually. Um, I, I guess where I'm having a hard disconnect is like, you would never be watching. There will be blood and be like, Paul, get on with it, bro. You know what I mean? Like yeah. no one ever thinks that, or, or if they do, they're an asshole. They're laughed off stage. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why is it like, is it something to do with Zack Snyder's reputation? Is it the source material? Is it unforgivable to try to make there will be blood with Batman? And for, I, I say, for nay. Me, for me, it's partially Zack Snyder's backlog and just knowing him as a creator and, and what is on screen. Cause you bring up, there will be blood and there'll be blood is like shot on location it's definitely an art film it's a character piece Zack snyder has a history of being overindulgent and just like shooting stuff just for honestly because it looks cool there's no ulterior high-minded motive behind it he's just like oh wouldn't it be cool if we shot that and it does look cool (laughs) (laughs) he's right he does look cool but it doesn't like mean anything Mm -hmm. and so I think some people like I, I that guy. He said something like, "Oh, it's like Scorsese," and it's like, "What the fuck are you want?" Like to me, to me, that almost makes me upset because like I look at Scorsese, and, and he's and, referencing Scorsese's criticism of superhero movies, I believe. Hmm. Oh, is oh, okay, not his Maybe filmmaking. I mean, well, I, I I've seen other people like kind of talk like how this is this very high minded thing, and I'm just like, it's it's not though. Like it to me, I look at this movie and the way it's shot seems to be the most overproduced super corporate thing like it looks like it doesn't it's not an art film to me it is like a very over corporate like it's it's it looks it, like a lot of money it's got a lot of money there's a lot of green screen there's a lot of it looks fake almost every even the on location scenes when like batman's walking in the ice like you mentioned looks fake even though i'm pretty sure that's an on location shot <laughs> <laughs> but it's not fake snow like i'm pretty sure that's an on location shot but just like the way whatever they however they color it or whatever mm-hmm. it looks fake and not real so i'm already i can't really you know put myself into it that way so when it looks fake it looks silly it looks real and they're like everything is very serious all the time i just like i hate it because <laughs> it's so, like i'm just like just if you want to make a real point shoot real shit so you know? <laughs> let's do this. Let's circle back to to overall to cap this off, right? I'm sure we're running super late, which I super planned on with this one. Um, we're actually intending actually to make time this. time flew by for me. I haven't looked at the clock once till just now. We're going to make this as long as the Snyder Cut is my goal. <laughs> so to give it the the seriousness that and honestly it we, we have we have time bumpers so people can skip direct, directly to our snyder cut version they could have this could only be like minute 30 for them that's what i'm saying so we can get we can go as long as we want this is great because like. <laughs> i think this conversation is great i think there's a lot of local things we could talk about at the movie and we're we're just waxing a lot on global stuff sure but so one thing i think we can we can all agree on this right that the 
fight scenes that were incomprehensible in the theatrical version. So much better. Or yeah. fluid and wonderful now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yep. did you, you guys like the action? The second half of this movie was very good. And Andy, one of your biggest criticisms was 100% the biggest issue with the first one because they cut out all of the dark side shit. So we had mm-hmm. no comprehension of Steppenwolf being ousted from the family of his mm-hmm. brood. And so now there's this wonderful villain motivation behind There's stakes. Now it mm-hmm. makes much more sense. That's what I was talking about earlier about like, why did they cut How the fuck all did you cut this the out? dark side yeah. shit? Right. It's like, if you're planning to make a like a, a competitor to the Marvel cinematic universe and where all these movies are building towards a big Thanos bad, that's a dark side. Why would you cut this out? It's really, really good. And it's cool. And it builds the mythology of your own franchise. So it boggles my mind that they're like, you know what? Let's lose that. Put in some more flash falling on Wonder Woman. (laughs) That's what the people want. Right. And like cutting out all of the cyborg stuff that like. Ray Fisher is the emotional core of this film. It is insane to me. He's the best part of this movie. Hands down. I don't super love his performance in it. Uh, and I, I've seen people online kind of going crazy about how wonderful he is in it. Um, for me, he, he I mean, and, and I know it's intentional, but he feels robotic. Uh, Andy. Um, he, 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 <laughs> like he, a cyborg man? Like, like for being the emotional linchpin of the film, he is not uh, terribly great at conveying the necessary emotion for a given scene. But. Uh, my issue with that specific specific aspects of his performance, notwithstanding, he is undoubtedly the most important character in this film. And so for that to have been cut out for the theatrical cut is mind boggling. Yeah, you can understand. Now, there's stuff that I can Ray understand Fisher's feelings, removing like him yeah, walking, sure. him walking through what Ready Player One and magically expanding a stack of cash like the most ridiculous graphic user interface I've ever seen in my life. Like (laughs) here's money lady. And then moving on, like I can see why you cut that kind of stuff out, but like he is the movie. The movie is about him. And like, he's the best member of the team. Cause not only does he have that emotionality to it, like you kind of, you care about his story individually, but he also does the most shit. Like he's Mm -hmm. like without cyborg, they wouldn't have done anything. Break apart unity. No, you can break apart unity. You, like he found where the cube was thanks to his dad, and man, it like Batman calls in the Batcrawler or whatever, and it breaks within like thirty seconds. He's like, "I got this." Um, Andy, it's iconic Batman vehicle, the Nightcrawler. Oh, okay, it's iconic. Yeah, so it's everyone it, so knows it, the Nightcrawler. Step off. Is it the Dark Nightcrawler? <laughs> oh, they missed it. So there's. I thought it was fascinating because <clears throat> I can't even talk. The fact that there was that much cyborg footage, it was that integral to the plot that they cut out is insane, baffling to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it completely made it all nonsensical because now there's this thematic glue of not to, uh, you know, c- trivialize it, but of daddy issues that was just not present at all mm-hmm. in the original because you've got what you happened know, to his dad in the original because I feel like his dad died earlier or i don't know if he sacrificed I'm pretty sure him. he survives in the original yeah so he now you've got much more ray fisher ray fisher's uh, uh sorry uh victor stone's issues with his father silas um obviously aquaman has you know issues with his father um wonder woman has this like estrangement from themyscira and she's got pining for going back and a little guilt for leaving them and then batman Batman's i think dad? is the only oh. one that doesn't fit in because he had a really healthy relationship with his parents with no trauma whatsoever <laughs> yeah, for sure uh <laughs> Um, and then the flash and his father's in prison. I mean, there's just, and it's all intentional right Mm -hmm. now. Part of it is every comic book superhero of all time has 
parental issues or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but also they really exacerbated in this and not to get unfair because nobody can argue with this, but Zach leaving the project due to what happened to his daughter, Autumn, just recolored that whole thing for me. And just imagining him putting this together with his wife, um, it just meant so much more in a meta way to me. Absolutely. We've mentioned his, his wife, Deborah, is his producer. Right. Yeah. So if, if you don't know, like they've all, they make all their movies together, right? Yes. Yeah. So them working on Justice League together with that theme, it just, it meant all the scenes with, uh, you know, Ray Fisher and his mother. And you know what I mean? It just mm. amplified tenfold. And I don't think that's unfair to bring up because all the art is created in context with human experience. And that's absolutely what you're supposed to do when, when viewing a property, right. Mm-hmm. Or reading a book or whatever. And how many times have you read a novel and then read about the author's life and then love the novel a hundred times more? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's a thing. This is what art is for. It kind yeah. of, it's like the same ballpark, but the opposite of the spectrum of what we were talking about the other week of separating the art and the artist with uh, bad people who made good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's like, a bad thing that was made, but well, I, I guess that is, you know, personal perspective, but uh, well, yeah, if something bad happens to a creative that you like, and then they go on to make more art that th- if you, if you were aware of that, then you know, it colors your perspective of it. Mm-hmm. Like I always bring the example of uh, Owen Wilson when he tried to kill himself years ago. And then the, the movie directly after that Pearl's was, was no, it was a uh, Darjeeling limited. Oh, is that the one where he wrecks the car? Yeah, and there's a scene in Darjeeling Limited where he's like he's in bandages for most of the movie, and there's a scene where he takes off the bandages and he's just like all cut up because he was in a car wreck. But it was like immediately after his suicide right. attempt, so that scene hit. I remember being in the theater; that scene hit a lot harder because I knew that context of him trying to kill himself. It sure, was really like, oh man. So and, and so like yeah, if 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 something if a tragedy befalls a creator and then you see their art, that's always going to color how you you're going to appreciate it more because you sure. know you're happy that they're still able to as make. you should i think yeah i mean exactly it's like looking at van gogh knowing that he was a failure in his time well, any, i mean you to even be more like analogous you you to closer to home rather you you know you watch heath ledger's joker performance right mm-hmm. and you know what ultimately happened and, and the toll that it took and all that metatextual stuff i mean it, it 100 colors your view of of that art um mm-hmm. as it as you should you know um so anyway just wanted to so there's that there's obviously the the dark side stuff so made a lot more sense big gray um, men the, i was not, in it not, not. when i sat down to watch this movie <laughs> i wanted one thing i wanted to see big gray men and you and were this not disappointed movie gave me three big gray men so steve uh, I, again i just listened to our original uh critique of this film from big four years ago right you, you also hated the big gray men there and Andy, ironically, I believe you had a lot to say about how much you loved Ray Fisher's performance when he was mostly cut out. Interesting. Pretty sure you really loved Cyborg and the original and wanted more. Um, I, I, well, I got more. I got too certainly much. Certainly did. <laughs> um, Steve, what did you think of the Parademons this time around? Still hate them? Parademons still suck. I just, <laughs> so, so, so the Parademons still suck. I just don't like that concept in general. Um, I do like that they took the whole, like, because there was a subplot of, like, oh, they feed on fear. And then they, at the, the facts that dumb the, shit. Yeah, the final fight scene, they, like, made Steppenwolf scared. And then the Parademons ate him or something. Oh, my God. Was, I forgot about all that. It's really fucking, dude, the, the final I have fight no memory scene, of that. I just, Steve, I listened to Steve say that in the, in the episode from four years ago yeah. recently. I was like, what? <laughs> the, the final fight scene of this movie is, it's, like, the biggest improvement, I think. Um, Superman uh, just shows up and beats the fuck out of dude. And it's yeah. like, God damn, he's overpowered. Like, Jesus. 
But I will say Steppenwolf, because we made a lot of fun of Steppenwolf's uh, look and just in general in the first movie. Steppenwolf is so much better in Light years better. Because you get the context of him. He looks way cooler. Like this is actually a really, really cool design. I love the look of Steppenwolf, even when he's got like he's got like really cool armor that kind of articulates around yeah and can like move it's really neat but there's even a point where he takes his um the helmet off and he's talking to dark side and dark side's like hey you do this thing you can come back home and he looks up he looks like a little puppy he Dude, looks that's the coolest so he much emotion in the whole movie i was like more of this less of the other thing like get rid yeah. of get rid of some of that armor let him have some skin you well know, the, the design skin. the design of him was so good because not only does he look like a big menacing pre- premise uh presence excuse me he also is able to convey subtle emotion just through the cgi character because yeah. like i said he looked like a puppy and he like, does oh, like he's wide-eyed him. and stuff uh but there's a scene really where cool. i think it's when he's uh invading themyscira and I, I just took, I wrote a short note that said flexes and busts out of his arrows. Yeah. Because I think it's funny. He's, he doesn't rip them out. He just kind of dances his pecs and yeah. all the arrows shatter out. When we were watching this, my buddy Phil was like, why are they shooting arrows? Like, or he was like, that air, that armor's terrible. That's not stopping the arrows at all. And then immediately after he says that, he flexes and the arrows break. He's like, I stand correct. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I mean about... I, no, no offense at all, and I don't know Phil personally, but we interact on Twitter. And he's he, a piece of shit. He seems like a wonderful person. He's listening to this right now. He's a piece of shit. But, but there, there's <laughs> fuck you, Phil. There's times where if I were to try to enjoy something with someone nearby and being insincere, it's a completely different experience, right? Like so, like our friend Jimmy, right? Super funny guy. Um, who loves comics, so I would have loved to have watched Zack Snyder's Justice League with him. But there's certain things that I could not, even with him just in my peripheral saying nothing would not hit me as hard as by myself or with someone else necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I can just hear him in the corner going, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just, it, certain things don't emo- emotionally resonate with him and it would be like shat upon by his sure. presence. I'm not saying Phil did that. I'm just saying, I question your statement about I'm glad Phil was there because like maybe I really think this is a I'm religious experience there. that you should, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> very glad he was there. Like, I would not have, uh, I would not have finished this movie. I was going to say something else about something you said. I, so, uh, positives. I want to focus on more positives that I liked about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the way you know we mentioned the 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 final. They completely took out the uh, the subplot of the family that's trapped in the city. Oh yeah. Um, they completely did away with that. They like made it like uh, I remember the original fight. Like the sky was just red. It was red everywhere. It looked like Wandavision red right like the hex mm. now they just made it at night looks way better uh you don't have that subplot of the of the family thank god because it was stupid um i'm glad that the the final fight it really hinged on cyborg and flash like teaming up and yeah. doing their thing while aquaman and uh wonder woman you know um uh, distracted Steppenwolf and then Batman just fought a couple parademons again they shit on Batman in this movie which I feel like in- I really liked um, before I forget I'm sorry I don't mean to interrupt you no you're fine I really like and I don't think like in Endgame or Infinity War ever does this effectively I could be wrong but in Justice League they really have integral roles focusing on their skills um, and they do this when they're stealing the infinity stones going back in time somewhat, like with Ant-Man, you got to do this cause you're like the tiny guy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but very, uh, specific tasks to their specific abilities mm-hmm. to accomplish a goal that in end game, it's kind of like, 
giant war. We all fight the way that we know how to fight. So hopefully somebody does something. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, whereas this, it's like, okay, you can run really fucking fast. I can hack into shit. Like we need Aquaman. All right, buddy. I'm really sorry. Eventually, we're gonna need some swimming stuff. Maybe next movie. Take some put, swing. Take some hits. <laughs> take some hits, man. That's all you're here for. Um, I'm gonna sling in the air. You just say something all funny and mamoey. Superman, uh, you just come in and just do our jobs for us. That's something too. I, again, I'm still interrupting you, but I wanted to point this out because this is huge for me. And this, I mean, this is the undercurrent of the entire film. I've never been a big fan of Superman at all. Right? He's way too uninterestingly overpowered to me. Um, and the entire emotional undercurrent of this is like we need to bring Superman back, right? He's the main character of this extended universe. Essentially, he's the Tony Stark, you know what I mean? And so if you don't give a fuck about Iron Man, then the Marvel movies will not work for you, I would argue, right? Mm-hmm. For the most part. And so that I really struggled with that the first time around. The way that this movie was cut and it's gargantuan, grotesque nature that by the time Superman returns, LOL, which is a separate movie, even though I already know it's coming, it actually emotionally works for me this time. I'm excited to see Superman back alive. Mm. I can feel the urgency with which everybody's operating, that they really need this godlike figure to help with this huge task. That was one of my favorite shots in the whole thing was uh, shirtless Henry Cavill after he came back. No, it was him up in like the explosion of water or whatever. And then it was like a ground level view looking up at him real itty bitty up in the sky, just floating there. And it was like, because it was almost, almost anticlimactic, but not quite like you, they build him up to be such a, a giant figure by virtue of his loss. Yeah. That when they do finally bring him up and he's just this little itty bitty speck, but it's this itty bitty speck that means so much. Uh, it was yeah. really impactful. Um, <laughs> I, I it just, for some reason, that one shot, I was like, damn, that was good. Um, and then later, the second time he comes back because he's been off remembering who he is and they're kind of struggling to fight Steppenwolf without him. Mm-hmm. And I think, it, I don't think it, it worked for you because you, it seemed to scoff at like how easily he was able to dispatch of Steppenwolf. I just was like, God damn, he's overpowered. I uh, f- still stand by and they allude to it in the epilogue. He is much more interesting as a villain. No, yeah, for sure. That's uh, Homelander is so neat and yeah. the boys. Superman's always been more interesting as a villain. But that moment where he zips through and Steppenwolf's axe hits his shoulder and he's, and he's like, like, not impressed. Not impressed. That worked for me. Like, I got chills. I was like, yes. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> fuck him up. You're fucked now, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I've never felt that way about Superman hey, ever. Superman, you know what man. I mean? I was like, get him. You're fucking done, Stephen Douche. You know? Like, so that's, and that's, you need to feel that way to like that part. You know? I, I still feel that way in the fight with the other Justice League members when he's, when the Flash is running up to him and, and Superman looks at him. It, like, that still to me gives me goosebumps. I'm like, oh, you're about to get trash, Barry Allen. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. So my, my wife uh, was sitting with me for that scene only because she was unwilling to sit through the movie for its entirety. And she kind of walked in, stepped over the couch and cuddled with me for a second. And she doesn't know too much about DC characters. And so I was really excited to look at her and be like, watch this shit because Barry Allen's so fast. He can like move time and no one can see how fast he's moving except Superman. And, like, you know, and Superman turns his head and I was like, yes. You know? And just that look of sheer terror in Ezra Miller's face. Uh, it's yeah. such a joy. Oh, love it. He's like, he's so baffled. Like, you can see me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see in his face like oh shoot oh no anyway uh what did you think about barry allen's new introduction scene where he said where he saved i assume is iris west 
from the car. So I don't know anything about the Flash. I it know. had to have been Iris, and it yeah, has to be. It Iris. Is. Have a, like, I read an article that said it's neat line. for fans because he eventually marries her or something. Yeah, yeah that's that's um, Barry Allen's love interest. I, I not, even not knowing that, I loved it. Uh, there was a point where the only time Zack Snyder's Justice League almost lost me. I really hope it's what I think it is. <laughs> is when during this horrific slow mo crash. There's just a fucking wiener <laughs> floating in slow-mo, jiggling along in space. And Barry Allen grabs it and puts it in his pocket. To feed the dogs later because he's a Almost lost me. Yeah. I actually think it would have been better if he'd ate it like a goddamn Slim Jim in the next scene. But he's giving it to the dogs, yeah. Full transparency. I would have made, I would have given this movie five stars if he had taken the hot dog and just poked her put face, it, put it in her mouth. Not, no, not even done anything sexual with it. Just I like really grabbed it and like, boop, like poked her on the, like booped her on the nose booped or something. Snoot? Yeah. yeah Boop the snoot. And I would have like, this is the best movie five ever stars, made. Five stars. I'm, I'm with Chris better than Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> so they did not lose you in that quarantine sequence where they're like, and we have a police sketch artist in there. And then this dramatic smash <laughs> up on the glass. And it's a fucking stick figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's so go funny. find this guy. <laughs> I have no recollection of that. It's a fucking drawing the, of a shadow. It's in Star Labs. And You're talking about the thing that looks like Batman, yeah, but it's the not. the drawing that looks like Batman. Where it looks like a big triangle of a man going, man, <laughs> this dude in the hazmat suit in a quarantine tent just walks up and slams it up against the glass, like as dramatic as you can possibly be. And it's like, you're it's definitely not four, a stick figure. Four year old kid fucking drew it. Dude. Have you ever is, seen uh, like, but the dude slams on the glass with the cough. It's like, we got him. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen sketches of like the night stalker or something like yeah, they're from terrible. real life police yeah. sketch artists? Yeah, I mean, to bad. be fair, they're not works of art. Yeah. There was some nice shading in that though. They got the, they got the dark. <laughs> and it, and to be fair, it did look like Batman. Um, um, the only thing emotionally that I think didn't quite work um, for me is Batman's in sit rabbit insistence uh, that he let Superman down and he has to like carry out this promise. And that's why he needs to forge the justice league. And that's a huge part. Like I get that he definitely fucked up trying to kill Superman, who is a legit good dude. Like, and I could see why he would regret that, mm -hmm. but it just, I don't know if it was Ben Affleck's performance or the screenwriting or some combination, just the early on stuff where he was just doggedly, we have to do this. Pursuant. And I really still don't like Jeremy Irons, Alfred too much sometimes. Um, I think it's a weird casting choice. I've been meditating on it and I think they're playing on our knowledge of Batman a little too much. It's kind of unfair. It needs to stand on its own. I think as Andy would say, but I mean, we, without a doubt though, to be fair, do know a shitload about Batman mm -hmm. and we do know the 20 years of stuff he's been doing. We all know what he's been doing. And so we can kind of see the world weary Alfred. We know the memories that he probably has, and he's really just trying to look out for Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he's just kind of a dick. Like, no, you don't need to do that. You need to sit home and be careful. You know, <laughs> he's always on that shit. And Maybe it's like, don't come on, man. Away. I did like the line. This is Alfred. I work for him. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was cool. Good that was very that. subtle and very cool. I like that a lot. What did you think about Batman overall? Cause I feel like in a weird way, the, this version of justice league, you know, Batman didn't really have too much to do in the original version, but I feel like this one almost saddled Batman, Batman in the background even more. I disagree. And I don't know if I can defend that statement. Um, so I really like that they're being honest. 
Um, it's a joke, but also serious when he's Barry Allen says, you know, he's eating the pizza. So what's your superpower? And he says, I'm rich. That's a great line. Yeah. It's a f- hilarious joke. My wife loved it because yeah. she's on, she was just watching a TikTok, and she was like, so what? I mean, Batman's basically just rich. And cause she knows I love Batman and I got a little angry with her and kind of talked to her about it for a while. But I was like, you, you know, he actually, he's the world's greatest detective. I was like, yeah, I said that. Yeah. It was super <laughs> douchey of me. Um, but it is essentially true. And the film doesn't hide that. Like he's standing next to gods and he's just a dude. Right. And so I really like that. They're like, he's just a dude, but he's a brilliant dude who was able to bring these people together. He's not useless. Like he's got the technology at the end, the the last fight. What do they do to make him useful? They give him his Batmobile with a bunch of guns and turrets and he grapples up kills uh, a couple parademons, takes their cool weapons, and he's able to contribute, right? Which, so I'm like, that's fair. Which, by the way, I felt really bad for Henchman 43 getting shot in the head by Batman after he, <laughs> after he did what is the greatest Henchman thing of all time, and that is somehow Bullseye the Flash. He's running at warp speed around that. He, <laughs> to be fair, he shot time. like 600 times. He, he shot like 600 times, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. <laughs> he lined it up. Shot him. He nailed him. That guy. I want to hit. I want to see the solo movie for Henchman Forty Three. But <laughs> Batman blew his brains that out. That bit of <laughs> performance there from Ezra Miller after he got shot was really good too. Like he's like, awesome. Panic. I didn't know like, he could self heal. I don't know too much about that. Is that a thing? Um, not that I was aware of. But it I, can he can probably do something like vibrate part of his body super fast to alter the the cellular regeneration. The, well, yeah, I, I mean, Flash alter can, time for it. You know, I mean, speed. Flash can go through walls because he can vibrate his body and mm-hmm. do that. I wonder what else he could do. <laughs> let's 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 ask him. <laughs> but we, what's interesting that? is that like Very. they even open up like his time travel ability in this, which is crazy because like. 30 minutes earlier like he's not even fast enough to for to get by superman and now and by the end of the movie it's like tier three level uh barry allen that now he's so fast he can turn back time and there wasn't a whole lot of like how they got there because that that opens up so much well there was like one line where they kind of address that. And uh, I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to completely ruin my point. But early on, he says, and they added, Zack Snyder added this. Um, either that or it was put back in, whatever. But it makes more sense. He says something like, time gets funky when I go this fast. It's a rule that I don't break or I try not mm-hmm. to break or something. So it's like he has discovered that ability and he's terrified of it and tries not to do it. As he should. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And so later on, at the end in the finale, he says it's a little corny, but they have to bring it back to mm-hmm. uh, arguing against that criticism where he got to do it now. Got to break the rule, you know, yeah. and, then he, and then he takes off like and say, so like, oh, OK, he, he does know how to do this. He has refused to do it because who knows what's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God he did or we'd all be dead. <laughs> um, did you I, I don't know if you know, I never noticed this the first time around. So uh, Dr. Stone, Victor Stone, Cyborg's dad. Uh, works for Skynet. <laughs> no, anyway. it's, it's Joe Morton from Terminator Two. Oh yeah, I knew th- I knew who that was. Yeah, I thought I, I was but, like I thought it was Star Labs. I thought you meant like in the movie. <laughs> no, but like I think talking about intentional casting and promising young woman, it cannot be a mistake. Oh sure, that this technological mad genius is also the guy from Terminator Two, yeah. and also dies in much the same way, being redeemed and sacrificing himself with a little clicker thing yeah because in terminator 2 remember he's like shot and he's like 
<laughs> and then blows himself up. Never forget that, right? I couldn't believe it. I was watching that because he's going to fucking click the button. Oh my God. You're <laughs> doing the thing it. again. You're doing the thing. You're two major things. Same thing. Both clickers. <laughs> it was also crazy with Cyborg, and I think it was in the epilogue when he uh, just reaches, puts his hand over a little Walkman and it just reassembles. I was like, when the fuck did he get that ability? You know what I mean? Like he's, he, he, he can hack into the world, but he just rebuilt a thing. So he has like a complete metaphysical control over technology as well. Like in, I'm sorry, I'm going to lose my DC nerd card a hundred percent. I really don't have one other than Batman, but to, from watching Teen Titans, my understanding of Cyborg is not only can he like mentally hack into anything, he can reshape his body into almost any mechanical configuration and sort of like in a Green Lantern type of way. And okay. so I think that would extend to, I don't know, but that, that's how it was explained away in my mind. Gotcha. Because gotcha, um, gotcha. in Teen Titans, he can like turn into like Mad Max Fury Road car and then, you know what I mean? He can just kind of do whatever. Well, with that ability, so you would think it's organic. He- machine he ought to have just been able to just take a look at steppenwolf and he dies then you know what i mean steppenwolf a machine well his armor is it's all Uh, maybe it's maybe it's like little metal worms for all we know from an unknown universe yeah fair so i have a question (laughs) uh because we we talked about this in the joss whedon version and it happens again in this version and but i i might have missed how it was explained away because it was not explained in justice in the first version um, and that is when they find when they reawaken Superman, and then out of nowhere, Cyborg's like, "My defense systems, I can't control them." Yeah, and that kind of kicks off Superman thinking they're threats, and that it's, fight. It's also not well established in this version either. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I didn't unless miss you have that. like cyborg knowledge. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one because uh, that happened again. I'm like, oh, did I miss Still that? Still not again? buying it. I don't understand why he suddenly. This is the only moment in the sh- in the movie where he loses control. So, Steve, ability. are you saying? That they should have added another scene? Because I'm with you. There were a bunch. There were, <laughs> I mean, I would have preferred that scene than any of the Martian Manhunter scenes. I also, I don't have any love or reverence or even knowledge of that character. So that meant nothing to me. And that line is pretty terrible where he says, some people call me Martian Manhunter. And I'm like, why do they call you that? <laughs> like That was my visceral reaction. My, my visceral reaction was, no, they don't. No one has ever called you that. Who would call you that? No one on Mars calls you that. No one on Earth calls you that because they don't know you're a Martian who hunts men. <laughs> some, some people call me Big Dick Daddy from Cincinnati. <laughs> no one calls you that. <laughs> no, they totally do on my planet. Like, I remember in Man of Steel when that character showed up, people were like, oh, I bet that's going to be the Martian Manhunter. So I'm glad that they kind of like had that actor back and do that thing. But like, I don't understand the purpose of his uh, scene where he pretends to be Ma Kent talking to Lois. Yeah. And then he just shows it completely undid and that he, scene. He that sh- could have just been Ma Kent and yeah. it worked wonderfully. Been way better. Yeah. And then the very end scene. But where the reason like, it's important, I'm sorry, is because apparently she was initially supposed to play a huge role in the plot of the entire Justice League trilogy. Mm-hmm. And so they needed a character in the know to say the world needs Lois Lane, too. Basically, it was the whole point of it not being Ma Kent. Because the original trilogy, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the Zack Snyder's original trilogy was going to be, and this is why they had that shot that lingered on a pregnancy test for Lois right. Lane, was that in the interim of Superman dying, Bruce Wayne consoles Lois Lane and knock and potentially knocks her up. And then there's like a big fallout where, you know, Superman finds out about that, but also Batman lets Lois die at some point and that's how the bad 
uh, universe could potentially start. Not to get into the weeds. I don't think any of us here are qualified to get into these weeds. I don't think it's Bruce Wayne's baby, but that could be true. And that's hilarious. I had, I had read that it was Superman's baby, which is a thing in the comics. And that 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 ends up going very badly. I don't know. Because he died. You're right. He's so strong. His semen would be like a shotgun blast. More it couldn't work. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Smith reference. Um, but to, to the things that are true about that condom, is that will kill him. <laughs> the implication is that she's pregnant because in the Zack Snyder cut at the end, if you notice when she's moving into her home, that Batman has recently purchased the bank for her, which is a hilarious line. How'd you do this? I bought the bank. I bought the bank. Um, take note. She's carrying <laughs> Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's how you take care of your people. Uh, she's carrying like a baby basket. And he says, congratulations, by the way. Um, okay. Which in the Zack Snyder version, which is more leaning into the pregnant thing. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, by the way. Why would he be saying that to Lois if not? I noticed that you're pregnant. And I also don't think he would say that if it was his and he wasn't going to take care of it. Like, well, <laughs> my congrats, under- by my the way. My understanding was Batman wasn't going to be super, you know, upstanding about the situation. No, for sure. He but was going to be a total. You're right that the trilogy <laughs> did hinge on Lois Lane. Um, she is supposed to die. And all of the premonitions of Bruce Wayne's nightmares, LOL, because that whole universe is called nightmare with a K. And so I think the whole second film really? was, supp- yeah, uh, I think the whole second movie was supposed to take place in that apocalyptic world um, with like trench coat apocalypse, Batman, who's badass looking, um, traveling with like Joker and and um, Amber Heard's character and uh, Deathstroke fighting evil Superman. Um, and then there was going to be some Flashpoint Paradox stuff to fix that. Um, and that's really interesting to me, like the yeah. idea that because Joker in that extended scene alludes to the fact that they've done this dozens of times and Batman emotionally can't handle working with Joker enough to fix it. Um and so they keep having to retry and, you know, Barry Allen's all exhausted from like going back in time enough times to try to fucking fix this crazy outcome. And his suit was crazy looking in that. That's apparently like his time travel suit. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Flash as much as you, but I think it's neat. So, did you like that scene? Yeah. I mean, as much as I thought it was the, the first instance I've ever had of Jared Leto doing a really convincing good Joker uh, performance um, outside of a couple of lines. I thought it was a really interesting portrayal um, and really emotionally centered interaction between he and Batman. That's nice. Um, I didn't, some people take issue with Batman saying, I'll fucking kill you. Uh, I thought it was neat. I kind of liked it. Yeah. One of two F bombs in the movie. Uh, did you hate Jared Little as much as always or something in that? I mean, I'm looking at your face. Yes. And that's what I'm reading. I did not like that scene. A, because I, it's shoehorned in and by the, it's like, it's, it's, it's like the second to last scene of a four hour long movie that I'm like, let's fucking end please. Yeah, sure. Um, and I just, I like to me, I think I, did I text this to you, Andy, or was it somewhere else where I was like, I felt like Jared Leto's portrayal, like his delivery was like a bad fan made movie mm-hmm. portrayal yeah. of Joker. Like there were some lines like, dude, you're an, you're an Academy Award nominee, man. What are you doing? Winner. Is, he, he's won. No, did he, oh, he won yeah, Dallas Buyers Club. Club. Okay, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Like, dude, you're a winner. Well, like I, I thought it was such amateur hour in that scene. I'm a Jared Leto Joker apologist. I think he's, I, I really like his Joker mm-hmm. uh, for like I dug him in Suicide Squad. The only thing about that scene, first off, I was upset when the epilogue started because when the movie ended and then it popped up on the screen and said epilogue, I just went, oh no. <laughs> uh, Cause I just wanted the movie to be over at that yeah. point. Um, uh, I, I do agree that it was kind of shoehorned in and it was like they included the uh, what was the st- credit stinger of Deathstroke showing up 
to talk to Lex Luthor. Like they included that in the movie just to justify to be able to justify showing him in the next scene in the nightmare sequence and like yeah. being on Batman's team. I was like, this that didn't even end the same way. That scene was different than the original Stinger. Was it? Because the original Stinger doesn't Lex Luthor say like, we should put a team together of doom or something along those lines where he hints at Legion of doom, but he doesn't have a line like that at all. Mm. Yeah. The, the whole um, Lex Luthor breaking out scene was much different and much better this time around. I felt like, um, but so I really, I actually kind of really liked the Joker sequence at the end. I, I mean, obviously I was worn out of the movie by that point, but like, it was really cool. Like, mostly out of focus and when it would occasionally pop into focus it was like extremely shallow depth of field and only tiny bits of his face were in and so like that and just the aesthetic of his makeup where it looked like just a smear of blood that was normally like the face makeup and uh, i i do really like his performance as joker my only real complaint with that was the laugh was pretty weak yeah and it, like his laugh in his suicide squad in was suicide excellent squad. i uh, think it's like a it's a weary i, I, I mean this is He's tired, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're running from fucking Superman. And I think the whole um, subversion of expectation, Superman is who they're alluding to finding them, right? Which you all know, yeah. but it's still neat and pretty well executed to me. I do like that um, team of characters, that cast of... It was neat. It would have like been fun. Deathstroke and uh, I wish I could remember her name from Aquaman. Amber Heard. Amber Heard. <laughs> Aqua Heard. You, you got Batman, Joker, Deathstroke, Amber Heard. <laughs> <laughs> what a motley crew am i right <laughs> it totally tracks is it hera sure <laughs> hera zeus's wife okay in greek mythology you know what speaking of greek mythology the reason i got so much lord of the ring vibes is like that that backstory of the year of the world five thousand years before when dark side first invades uh the old way uh, and you had like Zeus and Ares fighting back to defend earth, uh, with like some ancient alien green lantern. And I thought that shit was awesome. And it reminded me of the original battle. Uh, you know what I mean? When you got the dwarves and the elves and the men working together mm. to take down Sauron, um, I was sad kind of vibes. Died. Yeah. Lantern got got. Uh -huh. There's no lanterns or Kryptonians. I, I did like that scene where they, 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 you know, they beat him, they, they push him back. And then they're like, and then we, each group of people took their mother box and hid it amongst the culture. Nine of their ways. rings. And, were it's, the and it's like the Atlanteans put it in like an octopus thing. The, 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 the uh, Themyscirians, they like put it in like this big, huge well. And the humans, the like, men dug a shallow buried. hole. <laughs> I know that was in my notes. <laughs> Why did the men just dig a shallow hole, like like dogs, like scrape a little dirt on it, like to never find it? Well, let's put it here. Like the Themyscirians are like looking through an epic advanced telescope. Like, are they just fucking burying it? <laughs> God, why did we suck. give the dudes one? And that's and that's the last one he gets. Like that's the hardest one for them to get to. Hiding in plain sight, men were right all along. That does bring me to another question that I, I hope that you guys picked up on this because I did not, and I was very confused. So the the they bring the mother boxes to Earth, right? And they put the unity together, and that's going to like terraform the world and make you know uh -huh. everybody parademons or whatever. Um, their plan is foiled. They hide the 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 cubes, uh -huh. the daddy boxes, uh -huh. <laughs> the, the the mother boxes. Don't uh, misgender the boxes. Uh, uh, daddy cubes. That's what I was jokingly calling them. Um, 
Because mother boxes sounds gross. I'm I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, like, I'm going to tongue bu- tongue punch your mother box. Like, gross. <laughs> please don't. Um, I, I, say, I like how I say gross, and I continue saying it. Um, but no, the, so the mother boxes are hidden. Uh-huh. Um, Seven Wolf shows up. He's like, oh, I got to find the mother boxes. And while he's on his quest to find the mother box, he's like, oh, my God, it's here. The anti-life equation. It's been here the whole time. And then he tells uh, Dark Side, like, wow, you found it. And I, the whole time, like, yeah, wouldn't you fucking know that? Like, am I missing something here? Like, is why why didn't they know like that was where everything was? Like, why was it a big surprise to everybody that Steppenwolf found all the shit on Earth? No, the anti-life equation is something above and beyond the boxes, is my understanding. And so it was kind of like, and it's not unlikely because he has conquered fifty thousand worlds since pissing off Darkseid by trying to take his throne. So. They've conceivably conquered hundreds of thousands of worlds. So the odds that they accidentally found it on this planet are, are actually not that unlikely given how long they've been looking. Right? No, I mean, like, didn't Darkseid find it on Earth originally? I don't know for sure because that's that why he was there initially. Well, there's a scene of Darkseid with it. The anti-life equation? Yeah, there's, where it's like, or, or at least the... Um... The shit's like the insignia is on the thing. Yeah, I guess so. And I guess the way I took it was it's been 5,000 years and kind of forgot <laughs> where it was. Cause there's <laughs> an, how do you put it? How do you plant a flag there, Steve? It's a universe. You know what I mean? But he's a fucking like, it was interesting. You think he wouldn't lose that? Or he'd be like, hey, uh, let's put a pin on that planet I got my ass spanked on. <laughs> right, yeah. For real. Like, I mean, that's fair. I want to get back there because it's got my math equation I'm really impartial to. Uh, let's put a pin on that. Maybe come back in a couple thousand years and then let's step and we'll find it's like, what? what, 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 what? <laughs> All right, you found one major plot hole. In a I mean, hour hour you're not going to believe mean, this. The one place you couldn't beat, that's where it is. If, <laughs> if Darkseid Dark had lost his keys at his house and he was having, and Stephen was like, I found it there under the couch, I would understand his shock. Like, oh, you found my keys? <laughs> but not his anti-life equation. Come on now. You never lose your anti-life equation. So I want to run through uh, just some funny notes that I have. One of them was the, the men digging the hole for the box. It was fucking hilarious. I also saw a meme that said Themyscira is a mother box protection. And it was this giant bank vault with like a, you know, eight foot thick door. And it said uh, the Atlanteans mother box defense. And it was a Cheeto and, uh, and a door lock because <laughs> dude straight up just walked in Atlantis, took it and left. Right. Yeah. All right. And the only person who put up a fight slightly was Aquaman who wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> who the fuck's guarding this thing, guys? It was just like uh, Amber Heard and random. We guard. didn't think he could breathe underwater. <laughs> the movie oh, shit, was swim? occasionally brutal, which I dug that like it was just occasionally Zack Snyder being Zack Snyder and being like. Yeah, well, so this one didn't rate it, so here we go. So, like, like in that f- sequence, when, the, like, the two guards there, like, the one got cut in half. I was like, damn. Yeah. Um, and so, also the death of Steppenwolf himself. Yeah. Impaled by Aquaman's trident, punched by Superman, and then beheaded as he goes through the portal by Wonder Woman. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a terrible sequence of events for somebody. I really wish when his head flew through the portal, Dark sort of like, ew, 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 <laughs> ew. <laughs> uh. He just stomped on him like the failure that Somebody he was. Get it. Ta- talking about the the Themyscira chase scene, still really cool. It's a really cool scene. Uh, but I, I I thought it was really funny how uh, so the the scene ends and it's the the queen is is with um, her friend the random Amazon lady. The horse falls, 
falls on his, her friend. She's like trying to get him away. He he runs off with the boxes, but then the, they make a real meal out of her random friend on on the horse dying. And I the whole time like pinned by the horse. Do I know her? <laughs> Are we supposed to know? Because they're making a meal of this random person dying, and I just was really confused for a second. Just like. Is that supposed to be someone I know? I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. I, I just thought it was funny, know. like, that you had random, <laughs> like the random oh, lady yeah. singing, like, <laughs> all sad, like, this random lady's dead. <laughs> Honestly, I think that whole sequence could have been cut out. Like, it could have, like, it went, like, in Endgame, when it cuts to that whole new, uh, whatever uh, Thor's homeworld's called. Asgard? Uh, Asgard. New Asgard, the ship, like, they've already been decimated, and they already lost the fight, and Thanos is standing there having whooped ass. Like, they could have opened this movie with... Uh, oh, step, the beginning step, of Infinity War. Step in, right. Oh, okay. oh, is that Infinity War? I'm sorry, yeah. not in-game, yeah. Uh, they could have done that with Steppenwolf. Like, I already beat the Amazonians. I have the first box. Here are your stakes. I'm get, I'm going for the other two. And then move on from there. You know what I mean? Like they could have opened like that, saved us probably. What would that? Like uh, you would have cut out twelve minutes and lost one of the best action set pieces in the movie. I would say replace Themyscira with uh, Atlantis, and you got yourself a deal. <laughs> yeah, fair. I mean, Atlantis is already so quickly overcome yeah, that like, I don't feel. <laughs> you've, only, you've only cut four minutes tops at that point. Yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> I, I actually thought about this, and I had the same thought, except that that. Uh, it was the catalyst for uh, Aquaman deciding to join the team. Um, so otherwise, he would have. I would argue that given enough suspension of disbelief uh, and effort, you could find some kind of character moment or plot device in almost all of that juice. Mm. There are some vistas uh, or. Uh, Icelandic lullabies that are carried on maybe a minute too long, but you add those up and you got maybe 30 minutes. Who gives a fuck, right? Hey, that's still a three and a half hour long movie. Just walk it out a little bit. So I got some notes. Uh, the old lantern Zeus and Aries. I talked about that. Um, Mig just men just dig a shallow hole for their box laughing emoji. Uh, the flash is late. Get it. Do you remember that scene where he's getting to the job interview and it's kind of like a really meta joke where he's like, sorry, I'm late. And it's like the idea that the flash would be late is fucking hilarious. And they don't like linger on that. You just got to either get it or you don't. I do love that shot. Like after he saves Iris and it cuts back to him, he's like, wow, I hope someone, no one was hurt. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So the job, how'd I get it? I got it right. Yeah. I got a meat snack. Uh, I wrote, I didn't know Dr. Manhattan was Barry's father. And I was pretty proud of myself for that. Yeah. Billy nice. Credup. Billy Credup. Uh, let's oh, see. God. Steppenwolf's cell phone is amazing. I don't know why I wrote that. I assume I meant the rock where he keeps talking to uh, the Milty guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. That That's actually really a cool. really famous DC character. I could tell by the way people on YouTube were Just talking on. about him. Yeah. I, I didn't know. I don't, I only know his name. I don't know anything. About I wrote him. why dig slow. There's a scene where oh, yeah. they're, they're digging. Is, was it out of reverence for Superman that the flash and cyborg decided to like act like they were human? And I think yeah, we could do this. And there, I think it was more like, I, I read it as breaking the fourth wall. Like, Hey, obviously the scene doesn't need to exist, but we need to do it because we have an exposition that's about to happen. 
Uh, really? That's that's the way I read it. I think functionally that's why it's happening, but I think they did, I think you're right, Chris, where they did write them in like, come on, man, let's do this right. It's Superman. It's he fucking, deserves it's my dude. He deserves I, I, he I my, like that version of it. He's my dude. It's my, my dude. dude. They poured out some beer over it. <laughs> um uh the sound design is wonderful. I wrote that. I the little things with cyborg's movements I thought worked really well, where it's just kind of like this amorphous, like you know, like because he's fucking, he's a cyborg. I did like the, boom. Like I like the boom tube noise. Yeah. Pew! <laughs> it's not like a TV turning off. <laughs> Pew! Um, did you put in random Willem Dafoe? That was hilarious. <laughs> he like, looked so out of place. He looked so out of place. <laughs> there was a wonderful moment that's sort of like a Martha bonding that worked where uh, it was um, Aquaman and Wonder Woman talking about the quotes from their homeland and Aquaman says the quote that he was raised on. And then Diana's like, we say that same thing. And this is this ancient warring tribes and two kind of members of the justice league that have a hard time getting along with the others. Um, like just a really sweet character moment where they realize they have a lot of similarities. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, what's so beautiful about this movie to me. It's, it's ultimately about people finding purpose in a world they have a hard time finding a place in. I think we as humans can all relate to that, you know, centered around Ray Fisher, which is why I said that earlier, mm. you know, he's like legitimately, I mean, he's a freak of nature. Andy, you so smartly pointed out in the, our first review that his name's Victor and an allusion to Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but it probably is. And they did a really good job in this version, uh, Zach did, of showing how uncomfortable and, and out of place he is, right? And he's just angry and pissed off, but kind of has a good heart still and wants to help people. And then it's Diana who lands and doesn't say, hey, uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, but rather says, hey, I totally get it. You know what I mean? I spent centuries being like, fuck this whole place. What am I going to do? Trust me. We got a little club we're getting together. We're all like this. It's fucking dope. You know, I understand. And he's like, really? You know, and <laughs> he doesn't say that, but you know what I mean? He, he ends up joining and there's a knowing look between he and Diana. And you can tell she's like proud of him. Like, hey, isn't this better? We're all homies now. And not only that, but together we actually have a purpose. And, and then he, has, he has that payoff at the end where the, the mother boxes try to like play on his fears. And he's like, I'm not alone. And that's yeah. how he sees through their illusion. And either that worked for you or didn't. I thought it was a fucking awesome arc that resonated with me because I also have a cyborg arm and I figure out it's weird in social settings. You used to be a great football player. <laughs> I actually, and this is you were super <laughs> upset when your dad wasn't there. Like, damn. Yeah, no, I really was slow. mo, uh, Like his crestfallen face. Oh my God. He's not here. Yeah, he's definitely not. There was I a mean, lot of random slow-mo. Did you notice that? Like tons even, of slow-mo. Ha- half of Amy Adams was slow-mo. It's a Zack Snyder movie. Of course there's random slow-mo. They use the shit out of that. It's like her slow-mo handing coffee to a cop. Hey. Uh, the Hall of Justice. Uh, <laughs> what was that noise, Andy? <laughs> That's the slow-mo noise. Uh, he sounds like uh, Jimmy from South Park. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, so I wrote Superman Returns just as Lois begins to heal. And I thought that was almost kind of sad because she, in any other movie, it would be like this triumphant moment where I'm giving you yeah. coffee for the last time. I'm going to go back and do my job. And I didn't like that guy that much anyway. Right. And then it's like, she's opening the door to her office. Like, I think I'm going to, you know, <laughs> go back to work. I'm Is that gonna... my man shirtless in the sky? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm sorry. I was going to wait here all day. <laughs> <laughs> The first time she wasn't there. God damn it. Uh, just thought it was kind of funny. Um, 
Also, I want to say this, and I know I'm giving a lot of, I'm giving more screen time to the fact that I loved it than the fact that you guys hated it. I'm sorry. No, no, I think I'm sorry. This, I think that's appropriate because I really, like I said earlier, I'm glad people like it, and this should be a celebration of this just happening. You know, there's a line um, in the AA literature that I, I think is a quote from something even more important. I'm not sure, but it's the only thing I know it from, and it is in reference to two things that I'm using it here. Uh, some of the toxic fans that helped bring this to life. But also a couple of the mo- moments in this monstrosity that you're talking about, um, like the plot holes that we've already brought up that I can't explain away. Um, and it's called, it says, uh, do not miss the reality and beauty of the forest due to the ugliness of a few of its trees. And then like, that's kind of what I was, I wrote that down thinking about some of the things and some of the whole toxic elements to this whole thing existing, right? And I think for me, for whatever reason, Toward hour four and a half, as I'm still watching the credits roll, I started to say, you know what? Fuck it. This is amazing that this exists. Like, this is so unlikely and so incredible. And not only that, but this man lost his daughter to a horrific accident, was pulled off of this project from his, you know, his life's blood. It was completely warped into something. So then apparently he's never seen it, which is good. Um, and then come full circle years later, he was able to heal, put his life back into this project and for good or ill, let it be exactly what he wanted it to be even more than ever. Um, and legions of Victor stones, in my opinion, all over the internet are able to be healed by it existing now. Do you know what I mean? For good or ill, there are people across the world that absolutely live for this shit and they feel lonely they're scared and now they get to watch this fucking gargantuan thing and be like yes you know not to be too hyperbolic but my voice matters you know what i mean like this is so cool like i don't know so that's kind of where i was at just stunned on by myself on the couch watching the credits roll uh and i think it it just helps me enjoy some of the other parts of it a lot more i don't know so I agree. I, I, I obviously this movie's not for me, but I'm super happy that it exists. I would recommend that people give it a shot just so they can at least be a part of uh, the cultural, you know, impact that this movie has. Like maybe watch it part by part. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you totally can. I mean, you can. I think part three or four. There's some part where it's a really good time to pause and like go take a shit and get some snacks. So yeah, I think we 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 beat this into the fucking ground as we should have. I hope we gave it Just uh, like soups did to Steppenwolf. Yeah, yeah. I think we we gave it all the the gravitas that it deserved here on streaming things. I hope you respected it. Let us know your thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League if you if you if we managed to watch it. Um, you know. Do your thing. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Next week, we're going to come back and do Godzilla versus Kong. We're going to do it like the old way. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at CMichaelWrites. At Andy Most Days. Steve made 13, baby. That wasn't rushed at all. We totally meant to do it this way. Yeah.